Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. We're we're all, we're all just we're all just good right now. So uh, welcome everybody. This is episode two hundred six of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, today we have we we'll call it a, a ghost fusion today uh, podcast <laughs> because my both guests are returning. Um, I'll probably I, I'll probably put both names under just just to we'll keep adding to your stock, but. My main guest today is uh, Matt Boyer, tour director of the Greater Adirondack Ghost and Tour Company. I like having him on in this time of year, naturally, because this uh, county, city, area is littered with ghost stories, which Matt knows more than um, probably anybody about, so we're going to dive right into that. And Anna is um, uh, an amateur ghost chaser, uh, (laughs) tall tale, um, anything else that we can describe, um, serial killer... (laughs) <laughs> expert yeah um a zach bagans wannabe i don't even know what that is but that's great so ghost Anna, hunter oh, junkie okay so okay so i'm gonna learn a lot today so we have a we have a knowledgeable ghost person we have a enthusiastic ghost person and then a guy with a podcast so that's how we got all three today so sounds great matt welcome again <laughs> <laughs> well tis the season glad to be here uh once again once again this this is your th- third, third time Yep. I thought second, but then I'm like, I think he came. Up. You've been on him every year, I think. Yeah, I have. this time. And I, I kind of just, it gets to like September, and I'm like, let's see what Matt's got going on next month. So. Yeah, so what what number are we up to now? What podcast? 206. 206, I just wow. looked. You were 169 from the last one. No kidding. Well, yeah, congratulations so, to you. It's almost 40. 40 oh, of them or so. Very since. cool. Well done. Um, no, that's good. Yeah, so I mean, it's, um, but again, I, you're great. You have a lot of stories. I also like bringing on people that, a good conversationalist because it makes my job way easier when right. we can just roll <laughs> and uh, and again just the topics are incredible. So Matt, um, first off, how haunted is the North Country? Well, um, I always like to say that anywhere where you always have that depth of history, you always have that other that's left behind, right? And we we have the history in spades. I mean, there's just layer upon layer upon layer, you know. And so um, I, I think that there's just been so many generations of people that have just left their mark on this place that it, it just kind of bleeds through into the present. Yeah, that's how I like to think of it. So ghost, we'll say the ghost tour. So the, the Greater Adirondack Ghost and Tour Company, obviously ghost is one of the five words in the name. <laughs> it's a long um, name. So with the idea of ghost, when you were when you started the company, was that a goal of yours was to draw out the 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 supernatural part of the, of the history. Oh like, yeah. You, you can't have one without the other. Okay. You know, it really goes kind of hand in hand because the, the first you have the hauntings, but then the, the history provides the who, what, when, where, and why. Right. And, um, so growing up, my family did a lot of traveling. We had relatives that lived in Florida. So we'd go all up and down the East coast, you know, on family vacations and whatnot. And we'd always be poking around in different places. My mom was interested in this stuff. So, she would take us to places like Gettysburg and places like that. And 
that was the first place I ever went on a ghost tour was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And you would see these groups, these groups of people out with lanterns and things. And they looked like they were having such an awesome time, you know? And, and even in my 10, 11 year old brain, I was thinking to myself, you know, if they can do that here, why can't we do that where we live? You know, and that must have sparked something because, you know, in 2011, I decided to kind of take a gamble and see what would happen. And here we are. So was that, was that your foray into spookiness? Was Gettysburg? No, I'd always been kind of in, interested in it from a young age. My, my parents used to go to garage sales a lot. And my mom used to always buy me all kinds of interesting books, you know, books about history, books about this and that. We had a big bookshelf in our room. And she found this set of Time Life books. I think they're pretty popular with ghost ghost uh, enthusiasts. It's a black-bound set of books, and it's all about uh, the paranormal. And uh, I, I just read all those books from cover to cover, and I must have been you know, 10 years old. And it, it, it just, uh, I thought, this is amazing. <laughs> you know? And it had really cool pictures in it. And I, I think my, my intro to ghosts, and it wasn't even real ghosts. It was the R.L. Stein books. Oh, yeah, Goosebumps. sure. Yep. Uh, did you ever read Goosebumps? I read some, not the whole thing. It freaked me out. I was in like third grade. But we're, I, yeah, we're ancient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was third grade too, but I think they, I don't know when they actually yeah, came out. But they just spooked me. They, I I remember reading for the longest time. They like you would start reading like because he had them by numbers, so the books were all numbered. They have yeah, different yeah, titles, but they're right. all numbered. And I remember like one of the first books I read might have been like book nine, but there wasn't a ton back then. And then eventually they kind of came out with like another series. Still the Goosebumps. Um, and they came out with like another series of books and, and the books were, they started getting up into like the double digits and even, I don't even know what they stopped at, but the yeah. original like core set, um, years ago, I actually like re-looked up some of these covers and I'm like, Oh my God, I remember that book. But yeah. The artwork on them was the art, great. Yeah. And they were kind of like for a kid's book, it was like freaky, but it was like kind of like a cute freaky, if that makes sense. Like when you're like a little kid, you don't want to be, you're not, you don't, you're not looking for like a Stephen King novel, but you have like a cartoony more kid version of a Stephen King novel. And yeah. it was, it was really cool. My, my brother was big into the goosebumps books. He used to get them for Christmas and my mom would uh, read those to us before bed. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. When he was learning how to read, she'd, she'd, uh, nice way to get me. insomnia. Right? Yeah. Right. Never <laughs> sleep again. That's funny. So Anna, um, this is your moment, your moment to shine. Yeah. Um, I've waited my whole life for this, you know? So <laughs> if I didn't know Matt, um, you would be my ghost person based on enthusiasm only. I don't know how, how knowledgeable I feel like we talk are. about ghosts every single time I'm with you. We do, but like... Somehow it just happens. I don't even know if the stories are correct. Your enthusiasm makes me think they're correct. Matt, just my knowing his history of, of ghosts, I, I feel like I know they're correct. So there's a good balance. Yeah, but so like, you're very good at like putting a real... Which the reason I like your tours is because it's not... When you go on the tour, it's not... So I'm like one of those people. I don't like the like the stories that have no base where people are like, oh, I saw red eyes. The cheese. Yeah, like the, the yeah. dumb stuff with like no basis yeah. to the story. Sure. Like I saw red eyes when I woke up. Okay, well, you were coming out of sleep. Chill out. Yeah. Like I'm not that like crazy about it. However, when you mix history and all that stuff and some of the tales you hear, I'm fascinated by like the what if because I also think it's something cool to like believe in because you go somewhere after you die. You know what I mean? So when my husband's giving me crap and telling me that I'm overinvested in ghost adventures and <laughs> ghost hunters, I'm like, no, when you think about it, you're like a pile of energy. Like, where do you go after that? 
Well, I, I always like to say that the truth is stranger than fiction. Some of these stories yeah. are so bizarre, you couldn't make it up yep. if you tried, you know? And, and the coincidences, yeah. like the one about the apartment you told me just by pure luck, like the last time you were at my office. Um, it's all of a sudden I said, oh yeah, I used to live in one of the old Victorians. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, which one? Because my grandparents used to own it. And... This was like literally out of nowhere, like just in casual conversation. I'm like, well, we used to live down by the Kendall Lord house um, before we moved into our house. Now that we were on the third floor of this apartment. And he's like, which apartment? Oh, the brick one. No, we're the to the next left. Door, number okay. seven. So that okay. the brick one's Lucretia, Lucretia Davidson's house. Mm-hmm. We were the one right next door and apartment number seven. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, you're on my tour. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? And then we go into this whole story and it's where we used to live. And it's an old Victorian mansion that, I mean, it's one of those things where like you can't deny it because something is has been there for years and years before we ever moved in. So what, what was what made that fam- or famous? What made that noteworthy on the tour? Uh, the house itself was built by the Booth family. And that's still kind of a prominent North Country name. Yeah. Uh, Booth Insurance and whatnot. Uh, Same family. It was uh, uh, Judge John Booth and his wife built the house in 1895. And and there's a lot of stories surrounding that place about how, uh, you know, there might be some element of the family that's still living there. Was that the same family? Remember you told me something about someone was hiding out. I think it had to do a little bit with Boynton Avenue also. There was a connection like down here with Boynton Avenue. Am I to- telling a totally different wrong story? Oh, you're talking about the Lowell Mansion. The Lowell. Yeah. And there was a connect. Yes. And there was a mm-hmm. connection with something on Boynton Avenue. That's right. Where- yes. Okay. So different family at the booth. Yeah. Um, what do you, what is the freakiest, like supernatural ghost event that you know of in Plattsburgh? Oh, geez. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a tall order. Um, there's always been all sorts of strange activity, but um, I'd have to think on that one for just a second. I, 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 there's there's so many stories that I could shuffle through. Do, do you find that the which which ones which ones interest you more? The older ones that you might have heard, like reaccounting, you know, or ones that you've heard either firsthand accounts or enough generational where like you know the person that has the story about it, and it's not like something that was two or three generations, four generations down the line. Well, I love hearing firsthand accounts. I use a lot of those in my tours because it's it's hard to kind of argue with somebody when they're standing right in front of you and saying, "This is where I was and this is what I saw with my own eyes." Like you you can make up your own mind. But then I also really appreciate ghost stories that have been handed down for generations that date way back that have been told and told and told because there's always some sort of grain of truth, you know, when you get back far enough. Do you think that does a ghost story grow like a big fish story? Do you feel like that just like every generation adds another layer of like a, you know, a spin or a little bit of fluff you think to try to embellish it? Well, sometimes uh, um, it, it depends. I mean, then you kind of cross over the threshold into urban legends, you yeah. know, where it just keeps getting told. And it's like the snowball rolling downhill. Like it's uh, changed and, and uh, whatnot with each telling of the tale. But sometimes if you start doing the research and you start peeling back the layers of the onion and you say, oh, no, no, that's where this came from. You know, and, and uh, there's there's that little, you know, that little grain of truth, that little golden nugget at the at, that started the story initially. Um, sometimes when you can find those uh, and uh, kind of get rid of the fluff, like you said, then you've got a really good basis for a story. Well, I think 
from what I know of, like you said, like sometimes the truth is, is, is greater or, or more unrealistic than even something you can make up because mm-hmm. it's just like, I find that some things happen. Like I couldn't even conceive of that happening. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do find that that comes like not even just ghost stories that comes like, whether it's history, whether it's just general, like s- stories that you come across. There's sometimes where I'm like, you, you, like I couldn't even come up with the details to make that story sound good enough. Yeah. And then this thing, just everything just kind of fell in line. It was like a domino effect. I was like, Ooh, here's another good little nugget from that, from that, uh, tale. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite part about a ghost story? The structure of a ghost story. I really like the hook at the end where, where there's a, usually some sort of little twist or some sort of little, you know, that, that really kind of sets the, sets the hook uh, with the story and makes it real or makes it come alive. Have you ever seen the movie, um, when you mention a hook, um, Hugh Jackman was in it. Was it the, the, Illum- the Prestige? Prestige. Yeah. Yeah, that was that a has an amazing hook. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I've never even heard of it. So it's huge, huge. You should watch this. Hugh Jackman and and I don't even want to say it now because I'm gonna like. Would you ever watch this before I probably? Ruin it for you? Okay. So well, it takes place in the Victorian era. It's, oh, it's then great, most likely it's an right illu- up my he's alley. He's an illusionist. Oh, great, yeah. great movie. Oh, buy it or watch it, whatever. I'm not, I'm not gonna say the ending because I, I want you to be surprised because yeah. the hook in it is drastically. I'm thinking of the right one, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so yep. Hugh Jackman. It is. It catches you by surprise, and then you watch the whole thing, and you're like, "Holy crap, this is amazing!" You were talking about um, another good hook. It's a little different. Um, was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Have you seen that? I haven't seen that one. Have you I seen that? I haven't seen that one. So you're talking about like the, I've heard of that one. Though. So like Sharon Tate and the, the Manson yep. murders. It's a Quentin Tarantino film, which yeah, I love. Sure. I love Tarantino, but it's a typical Tarantino film of two and a half hours of. Two hours of just like slowly just developing characters and slowly just nonsense and just funky music and all like this, the, the style that he has. And you're kind of like, God, I don't know why people like this movie so much. Like, it, it's okay. It's not bad. Like, Brad Pitt's in it. Uh, our, our boy Leo's in it. Like, uh, Margo, Margo, my, my girl Margot Robbie's in it. Like, so it's a good cast. The very like last 20 minutes of it, like, holy crap, that was incredible. <laughs> but it's a good hook at the end. So that's sure. what I'm saying. Like it ends up tying all that together. But Love it's like it. a story. It's almost like a story. It's like another side of the story that we know so well that do- is not known. Mm-hmm. So if you can watch that one, you watch that, you watch The Prestige. Got yep. it. Prestige. Oh, homework. <laughs> well, I know. Prestige is like I don't mind homework. When, when do you think the greatest ghost stories were? What, 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 uh, what, dec- or what century? It always seems like ghost stories go back to the Victorian era, the, you know, the mid mid to late 1800s. And, and I've often wondered why that is, because, you know, why don't you have ghosts from the 1950s or ghosts, you know, or, or ghosts from the caveman era or something. Yeah. But the ghosts always seem to come from the Victorian era. So and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the aesthetic of the time. You really had that gothic kind of heavy uh, a lot of people wore black, you know, emulating Iron Queen Victoria. And, yeah. and, and uh, you know, even the writing and, and things of the time was, you know, Edgar Allan Poe in the early part of the century. It, it's kind of haunting. Yeah, it's very haunting. It's very, uh, you know, romantic and... and awesome. Well, well, I remember... Yeah. Uh, I think I was supposed to be born in that age. The Cask of Amontillado? Right? Yeah, Edgar Allan sure. Poe? That's a great book. You read that in school? It's a short, a short story, sure. right? Um, that one has to do with a little bit of like death, not necessarily ghosts, but like it's that creepy, yeah. like Edgar Allan Poe was, he had a different mind. Like, I mean, his, like I said, I don't know if it was ghosts was like his genre, but he was very, a lot of death, a lot of like dark, a lot of, you know, um, 
it seemed like a lot of the, the the moods of his genre were very you know built around death or built around dark or built around you know well, Poe had a lot of tragedy in his life. He has some connections to Plattsburgh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he, it's funny because uh, the day before yesterday was actually the anniversary of his burial. Uh, Look at that. So talk about eerie coincidence. Illuminati. It's Illuminati. So that, oh, that, Illuminati. That, that means that- whenever we have a weird coincidence happen, because I always tell him a coincidence is not a coincidence. Like there's a reason it's happening. Sure. Like yeah. weird stuff. I'm a believer in that. Like the universe. That, yes. Like happens, the universe is making this. And it happen. happens way too much. It does together. all the time. The two of us will be like, and like it's all of a sudden something will happen. We'll both be like. Oh my god! <laughs> I, we pick random days to do anything, and the next thing you know, it's like a significant, like creepy, yeah. all like seeing some eye. sort yes. of connection to something else, like someone else, whatever it is. It's weird. It's weird, hmm. but it's true. It happens too much. Yes, it does. Enough that we notice it. Like it yeah, happens sure. enough that now every time we're like, oh my god! Like I was getting ready. You, you saw us both like just make the yes. sign without even like <laughs> signaling the sign. Because like, like, how is that? How is that even a thing? Um. So so. Edgar Allan Poe burial. What, what's his connection to the Plattsburgh region? Because I remember last podcast said everything leads back to Plattsburgh. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, when, when you got a community that's as old as this one is, it's hard to not have a lot of connections. You know, especially to the the founding of the country and even before that. Uh, Poe has a connection to Lucretia Davidson that you mentioned on on Cumberland Avenue uh, when she passed away. Oh, she became kind of famous posthumously up and down the East Coast. She was known as the poetess of Plattsburgh. And um, a lot of her her, uh, poetry was published in newspapers of the day and things like that. And it was popular back then for authors, well-established authors, to do like reviews of of poetry and and books and things like that that would appear in the newspapers. And uh, Poe did a review of Lucretia Davidson's work. Uh, he didn't like it too much. <laughs> really? <laughs> he was a grumpy guy, Poe. Oh, uh, that's was, funny. Was he more grumpier than Hemingway? Wasn't Hemingway kind of a Yeah, from what I've heard. Yeah. I, I mean, alcoholic, but I think kind of like a, a rough guy, like a very blunt grew up. Like, um, so what I guess taking ghost stories and, and tying them in, I mean, do you know the origin of a ghost story? Like, do you know when that became a thing? Do you think that's like goes back predates anything that we know? Well, I mean, like people this, have I, probably been sitting around campfires since, you know, the beginning, uh, t- telling stories and legends, those oral traditions and oral histories, you know, goes back to the, the Native Americans and, and even before that. But, um, you know, people have always, even if you look at early cultures, people have always been interested in, in what's beyond the veil, you know, things that we don't understand and, and uh, telling stories about that. Do you think people use... Do you think people use the idea that we can't explain something as a crutch to say that it's it's haunted or that it's supernatural or something that we can't describe? Like the way I look at it, like if you go back, like I like like history and philosophy and stuff. If you go back and and I mean, it, what was it, five hundred years ago that we discovered that like the sun was the center of the of our um, solar system? Mm. Like it wasn't that long ago in the, in the history of everything. Like for how, how many years did people just sit there and see like the moon and the sun and be like, yeah, everything's rotating around us. So it hasn't really been that, that long ago where someone could have easily said like the sun was from a God that just like happened to like shine light or like Greek mythology. Like, Hey, you know, the, you know, uh, Zeus is, is the, you know, the God of the sky and Poseidon's the God of the sea. But these were just like what they, like, I don't know. We had a big storm. Their so belief. Poseidon. Yeah. But it, at that time, like I, I think at the time, like if people couldn't scientifically explain it, which 
happened, you know, yep. that they came up with a story because obviously it just couldn't just be natural. There had to be some explanation behind it. And even now, you know, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, what's crazy is they sent up that web telescope up in the space. It's like so many more times oh, right. more, more powerful than Hubble. Um, was it Hubble? The Hubble telescope? Yeah, yeah Hubble. Hubble telescope. And uh, you're seeing these images we've never seen before. So we could just say something something you know or something in the space is just we could come up with some far-fetched tale about it but now we're actually seeing more we're, we're even learning more so then it's like oh this actually now we're finding more science or reasoning behind it we're you know hundreds of years ago which really wasn't that long ago you know we weren't nearly as developed and we didn't have as much you know technology and know-how and 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 so was a lot of that stuff just passed on as well it must be supernatural like there's no way to explain it therefore we're going to lean on Sure. Well, every culture had creation myths and things like that. You know, what did they have to do but sit around for thousands of years and stare up at the sky and come up with, you know, reasons why they thought this was the way that it was, you know, but it, it all it makes me wonder if, um, you know, if we could fast forward a thousand years from now. Will we be looking back at what we're talking about right now with the, you know, oh, these people were silly. Look at what they thought was. I, I think they have know. to. Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, it was just when they talk about like jumping planets, like I'm like. Like Earth, like what? Like that's mm. probably won't be around, you know. I mean, I probably will, but I'm saying like, yeah. as we know it, like when you start seeing like these like images and stuff of like what they think Earth's gonna look like. I mean, kind of like was nineteen eight nineteen eighty four the the that famous book, and they you know kind of like oh, in the George future. Orwell Orwell that's it yep. yeah. Um, you start looking at these like Jetsons, like these things are like looking into the future and like what is it gonna look like and like like you're off, but not that far off. Like Back to the Future, like hoverboarding. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's two types of people in the situation where like you can't explain it i think like one i would consider i always joke they're debunkers no matter what it is whether it is explainable or not they will debunk it to make sure that in their brains they know how to describe it like it was caused by this mm-hmm. i always say my mom is a debunker she like is not intuitive to like any of that stuff where she literally like someone could bang on the wall and to like make me shut up she'd be like oh it's the neighbor like but there's no neighbor. You know what I mean? Sure. Like in their brains, that's how they process that the unknown. And then I also think there's the people who are more susceptible and open to things. And I think that's how they handle things from ghost tales, right? To like outer space and Greek mythology and the ties to all of that. You mean it calms them? No, I just think they're more susceptible to accepting the unknown. You know what I mean? Where I think debunkers are not... Some people, th- it makes them extremely uncomfortable. Yes, to, so it's automatically, there's a resolution and this yeah. is what it was. It like messes it's, with their worldview. Yes, and they don't really... And then they... Have you ever noticed some people like laugh it off? Yeah. Or like, oh, the creak in the floor. It was the floor settling. It was the heat. It was cold out. And I'm like, okay, but was it cold out? You don't know what month it was. Like, they're so quick to be like, oh, I can fix this. I I mean, I, I personally like believe in ghosts. Like, I think that that's a thing. I'm not like... I, I'm saying there's... There's people that are, like, I would say you are more, like, I think you could draw out something and try to pull it into, like, a supernatural thing. Like, where mine's, a little, <laughs> mine's a little bit more of, like, well, let me think this through. Is that really how it is? Like, I think I'm... A debunker. I don't think I'm a debunker. I just think I'm someone that's not as easily pulled into the story. And yeah. Just, and then, like, give, like, 100% faith that that's true. Um, like the girls in the office would be like, oh, I saw, I, you know, this ghost, like, you know. We should tell them the, what happened to us the last time we did a podcast. Well, they said like. That was weird. I, well, let me finish this thought. But like, 
and then we'll talk about that. But like, I think there's a spectrum, you know, on yeah. one end of the spectrum is people that are, yeah. Oh my God, something touched me. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people that don't believe in any of it whatsoever. You know, you gotta be somewhere in the middle, I think. Well, the, yeah. the other day I was standing, where was, I? I think I went golfing and I was standing next to a golf cart and I look around and all of a sudden, like a piece of wood just like flew at the car, the cart. And I remember like looking at it and I like looked around and I looked at like people near me. Like this was like forcefully thrown at the golf cart. This was recently. This was like in the last week or two. It was like forcefully thrown at the golf cart to the point where I was like, did someone just throw a piece of wood at me? Not that I care, but <laughs> what I'm, did like, you do to piss I'm like, someone off. I'm like, that's weird. But then I thought it was like someone trying to get my attention, like a buddy of mine throwing a piece of wood just to like, you know, startle me. So I like look around. And I probably saw like three or four people standing any vicinity, even close to throwing it with that accuracy, unless someone got really lucky from like a long ways away. And I'm talking people and all these people were no more than they were not within 30 feet of me, maybe 40. And I like looked around and I was like, and nobody gave any indication that they threw a piece of wood. Nobody gave any indication that they knew, knew me and I didn't know them. And I was sitting there. I'm like, I'm not under trees. There's not like this thing fell from the sky or I'm underneath the branch or something. So this thing happened. So in my head, my natural thing is like, that was weird. And I'm like, well, did like it blow off of a tree? Like, but I'm like, it, it wasn't, I don't think it's that windy enough to like blow this. I mean, this is a chunk of wood. This wasn't like a, a, a twig. No, this was, yeah, it wasn't like a piece of like loose bark or something that was flowing around. Like it had some density to it and it, enough to like hit the car. Something cart. was mad so at So then you. I was like, could this have just been some weird thing? Right. This was recently. So yeah, sure. It, it, but it caught me by surprise. I looked around. I'm like, there's no giveaway that someone threw this piece of wood at me. And the wind, I don't think, is strong enough. And where I was located wasn't near any place where, like, gravity would have pulled or wind would have blown. What part. golf course was it? I think it was at Bluff Point. Was it Bluff? Yeah. yeah. A lot of history there. Who knows? President McKinley throwing stuff at you. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't I know. Gonna, so, is there... Bluff... Let's talk about that, because I like golf. It, what... Anything at Bluff Point or the Champlain Hotel, or I mean Champlain, was it Champlain Hotel? Was yeah, it? the Hotel Champlain. Hotel Champlain. Yep. That, there's got to be something with that. Oh, sure. Sure. Clinton is uh, rumored to be quite haunted from uh, some of the staff that works up there. There's lots of stories over the years. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, the presence of that hotel up there since the 1880s. You know, you've got presidents, you've got millionaires, you've got playboys, movie stars, uh, Babe Ruth, Ruth, you know, yeah. people that, that, I didn't know uh, that vacationed there and, you know, Errol Flynn, early movie, th- movie stars, people that stayed there and played golf. Yeah. Um, McKinley went there and uh, there was a spot where he used to like to sit. Uh, he didn't play golf, but he used to sit in the shade of the this giant pine tree and he would watch, you know, his entourage and people like that playing golf and he would just relax. Well, there was this giant tree there and... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but McKinley used the Hotel Champlain as this as his summer White House for two different summers, oh, uh, wow. 1897 and 1899. And they would come and they stayed for the whole season. Like all of Washington moved up here. And if people wanted to come meet with the president, they'd have to come up by train to the Hotel Champlain. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt came up. But in any case, uh, so McKinley would sit under this giant pine tree and he would just relax and enjoy the, the scenery, right? Well, according to the tale... After McKinley was assassinated, like almost a year to the day, the tree was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. 
so actually I have a book over there. Um, it's Bluff Point. It was like a hundred year anniversary of Bluff Point. And they did mm-hmm. this book and um, my father-in-law gave it to me. And in the very beginning is all these old photos of the Hotel Champlain. Hotel, Hotel Champlain. Champlain. Yep. And uh, it was it was, it was was pretty cool. Like I mean, obviously the landscape looked a little bit different mm-hmm. and it was uh, a little bit more glamorous than what it is now. I mean, now it's just kind of an older building but they use it for yeah. the school. But um, It's super cool though. Well, there was also one point, I was with some other guys on this one. We were playing. And number seven comes up the hill and it kind of goes back towards the clubhouse. So we're standing on number number seven, getting ready to, to chip and, and putt and everything else. And all of a sudden there's a tree right on the back. So the back right side has this tree. And mid, well, we're standing on the green. All of a sudden half of this tree collapses down and it's just hanging as we're on the green to the point. <laughs> sort of got like there was a... I think there was four of us, and we're just standing on this. This was earlier this year, and all of a sudden, this tree just came down. I mean, we're talking within 100 feet, 50 feet oh of where God. we were. Like maybe 50 feet, because it's right off the back of the green. If anybody's played bluff, it's a tree in the, in the between number four and number T-box and number seven green. Um, so that was another one I was like. It wasn't very windy. It just all of a sudden this tree just collapsed down. Wow. Well, if you're going up the, the main driveway into bluff, headed towards the, the clubhouse, yep. the parking area, just just back from there, uh, on the right-hand side is this little, I don't know, it's a little turnaround that uh, kind of goes into the trees. And sitting in the center of it is what looks like a big concrete block. It's all crumbling and whatever. And after the pine tree burned down, they put a monument there to the McKinley Pine. And all that's left of it is that random concrete block I did sitting, not know sitting that. in the woods. That's really? so cool. Yeah. Was that where the pine was originally? Yep, exactly. I mean, obviously the, the trees have grown up over time, mm-hmm. but that's, oh wow, I have to look for wow. it. Yeah. yeah, you can that's still see it neat. there. That's wild. Um, That's yeah, kind of it's chilling. Just, it, well, as I was say, the history of this place, it, like the, when you start going into the presidents, cause I know we've talked about it before. Like I know like Roosevelt came up here a lot and McKinley. Um, who was the president you talked about that had the, the speech out here at the hotel? There was two. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant was here and uh, Benjamin Harrison gave a speech from the hotel as well. And also uh, Chester A. Arthur. He visited the hotel. So here. what was the significance of that hotel? Uh, the Fouquet House. Yeah, it was one of the grandest, most luxurious hotels in northern New York at one time. It, it uh, predated the Hotel Champlain by quite a bit. So when people came up, like the presents came up, obviously like the train tracks and everything else, like this was just, this was the most northern stop, I'm assuming, before you went to Canada? Or could you still stop? Well, there the was train? Rouse's Point. That was Rouse, still there? Yeah, that then? was there early okay. on. Um, but Plattsburgh was kind of... Your last stop like of civilization, of I guess. Yeah, before you got into more wilderness. Um, yeah, because it, it was Harrison. Was that the one that was he the one that died very quickly, or no? You're thinking William Henry Harrison. That's earlier. Well, this is Benjamin Harrison. Gotcha. Grandson, I think. Uh, it, it's weird. The two presidents were grandfather. Yeah, and they're grandson. related. How yeah. does that even? Well, look how at does the, that look work? at the bushes. Yeah, I know. My, my father and son. I don't think you know? I knew that though. That they yeah. were that they were related. Yeah. Um, a lot of the older, like dating back to the well, 1800s, too, right? a lot of them are related. Like right. if you go into like cousins and all that stuff, it, yeah, especially right. now with DNA and stuff, you can like in our family tree, we go all the way back to the bushes. Oh no, actually I'm thinking of Quin- Quincy, um, John Quincy Adams. Oh yeah, John Adams, Adams and John Quincy Adams. They were father and son. Oh, that was his son. Yep. Well, I don't, I don't think I, I don't know it's why. It's so I strange. It's almost wild? like once they get into politics, it's like so. A family what, is there affair. only two families that had? Uh, father-son relationship well there's the bushes bushes and uh the adams i, I think and I'd then the roosevelts were 
what was the Ruiz? they were cousins they were cousins uh, theodore roosevelt and Frank, franklin d roosevelt yeah. you could also i feel like you could use the clintons as an example husband wife yeah i i, I mean well if she obviously if she would have won that would have been a very close connection i mean that would yeah the first but it's high spouse, up so. politician with a high up politician mm-hmm. yeah no it's, that's, ki- it's strange how it kind of umbrellas yeah, in sure. a family connection so william william henry harrison was the one that died like right after the inauguration didn't yeah, he get told at the inauguration that's right he he uh became ill that supposedly they told him to put on a coat and it was drizzling and rainy and he gave this ridiculously long speech like hour, hours long yeah and uh you know he caught cold and he died it turned to pneumonia was was the inauguration um, still in January back then, or did they have it right after the election? I'd have to look. I don't. Yeah, because I, I always wonder that. Because a lot of times, I, f- I feel like they would have had it in November, but there's always like that transition period, mm. which I feel like a bunch of laws just get ripped through and passed because they don't care. Like, there's, you know. But uh, yeah, that's like I said. If they, I don't know if they've ever changed that to because now it's what like third weekend in January. Didn't something? a famous president or something visit this building, or did I make that up? Well, anybody oh. that arrived by train yeah. would have come right through here. All the ones that did the speeches. Yeah, that's yep. true. They yep. would come through here. Uh, well, this this one was built in 1886, so there was an earlier train station here before this one. So anyone that came here after that would have come through here. Did you that know that me. this was the first YMCA of Plattsburgh? I did upstairs. Yeah, well, on the third that's floor. Cr- so Justin Nine was here from YMCA, and he he brought. Um, some photos of the original YMCA. So I knew it was here and Very I knew cool. there was one, I think on, was it Margaret street or Cornelia street? Yeah. From here, from here it moved to uh, Margaret street and then from there to its current location on, uh, on uh, Oak street. Yeah. So that's, so there must've been a gym here at one point upstairs. I, I don't know if it was that involved uh, early on. I mean, he probably explained this better than I could, but fr- from what I understand, the early YMCA, the incarnation of it was it dealt with the railroad. And a lot of these railroad workers were like nomadic. They would move with the with the railroad where the work took them. So uh, they would have these YMCA's set up so that these railroad workers uh, had a place to stay and a place to shower and you know things like that. It was kind of like a you know accommodations for them. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. Just, and now it's your office. Yeah, I just it, it's uh, it's very. I mean, it's just a lot of cool history here, but it's, it's very it's very strange. Actually, you can. Uh, Matt, if you look up above you, you see the hole, <laughs> the ceiling there. Oh, yeah. Um, but you can look at the framing. I mean, that that's obviously was, that's not original. I mean, that's all redone. But at some point, this all these offices right here were probably just all open space in this area. Oh, yeah. This must have been like some kind of, like, again, it was a train station. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, when you go to like Grand, Grand Central is obviously grand. It's much bigger than this. But when you go in, they kind of have that center where you have like the, the information booth. And you have, it's just like a massive lobby almost that people yeah. just kind of walk through. I feel like that would have been what this would have looked like with all the walls down. Because, I mean, the offices were, were eventually um, yeah. framed out here. But originally, I feel like this inside building, like he had a ticket booth and everything else. Like, people just kind of hung out here. There's probably some food. There's probably just, like, a bunch of, you know, um, I, I call it pews or whatever. They could sit in, you yeah. know, waiting for the train. Yeah, there, there was – and then there was a big staircase that went down to the track level. Which um, is still there, but probably not as grandiose as it was back then. Yeah. Uh, at home, in our archives, I have a big uh, – well, it was, it was like a, a architectural study of the building that was done when they did the restoration work back in the eighties, uh, and it's got some diagrams of the original floor plans. I'll have to show it to you sometime. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. That so, is pretty cool. So, what was mo- I was gonna say most of this was open then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a train station would have been, you know, designed to have as much 
people passing through it at any given time. So a lot of it would have been open. How many, how many people do you think it, I, and again, probably like a, a more guesstimation. Do you think went through this in a year? Tens of thousands? Well, I mean, I mean America traveled by rail, so yeah. it would be tens of thousands, if not more than that. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, there would be trains pulling in and out of here 24 hours a day. Uh, you know, this was the gateway to Plattsburgh. Was there only one line, though, the whole time? Like, you just had the one That's rail? That's pretty crazy. Well, there was the rail yard outside the window here, and there would have been a lot of trains going through there was with it, the but, roundhouse and everything. But was there more Was there more rails here, or just the single? Or have they taken stuff out over time? Uh, I think it changed over time. I've got a friend of mine that is huge into the railroad, and he could tell you that question. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know it did change depending on what era you're talking about. The one thing that still fascinates me to this day, and I don't know if I told you this, Anna, but the gate was basically where the original, where the water came up to. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. The original, um, the original shoreline of the mouth of the Saranac River was right here by the edge of the train tracks. The, I did the, not the, know that. The river went from here. So it's gone back that far? Well, it's been fill, filled in by man over the years. It's all man-made. Yep. It's all man-made. The, no the, wonder when we had that big flood all those years ago, this was completely underwater over here. Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, and all those condos across the lake, they got completely oh, flooded Irene? out. Yeah. yeah. It was about what? 2011? Yeah. Or was yeah. that yeah, no, was it was Irene? Irene or? Yeah. It was Irene, but I think it was too, like May of I Yeah, like all of, of this was like underwater, mm-hmm. which makes more sense because I thought that was crazy and unheard of. Yeah, the, the mouth of the Serenade I was did not know that. twice as wide as what it is today. And we, like humans filled it. Yeah. Well, there was a couple of islands there, uh, and also wow. in the Victorian era, the city's uh, sewers dumped in there, so it was kind of a stinky, marshy, uh, you know, area, and yeah. they just kind of dumped their trash there over the years oh until God. it finally filled itself in, and then they finished it. Well, you up. said that from uh, Plastic State down down to here, there was an r- underground river. Yeah, the, yeah, from the vicinity up near uh, Hawkins Hall by where the pond is, yeah. there was a creek that started up there, and it ran down along between Broad Street and Couch Street, and then it crossed Margaret right about where Brinkerhoff is, and then it dumped into the Saranac. But it was it was huge. From what I read, it had a, like 11-foot-tall banks, and there was a bridge that went over it on Margaret Street. Do you think it's... You said you think it's still there? I think, think it's, it's still there. Fo- the water would have had to go somewhere. They you know, they either piped it away or, or So, something. fun fact, my parents live on North Catherine and Bailey. Mm. Um, we have a very... We never finished our basement because it's insanely damp. Mm. and just the other day, one of my coworkers who also lives on the same street, she's like, yeah, I don't understand why it is so damp. It's And I mean, it's a wet basement, <laughs> like year-round. But when you get to like the springtime, we have corners of the basement that are, no matter how hard you try, it's going to get water. My dad told me, I want to say like 10 years ago, one day I had asked about it because I wanted to finish the basement so I could move my bedroom down there. <laughs> it was not doable. And I said, well, why do we have the wettest basement in Plattsburgh? And he said, we have an underground creek under the house. Oh, very cool. So I don't know if they had someone come and tell them that, that that's why, because we basically never did anything with it for that reason. Um, I wonder if it connects to that. You never know. Because it's right, it's, we're only like two blocks past St. Peter's Church. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty close when you do that walk. It's like less than five minutes between the church and our house. Yeah, if you were to go up, uh, you know, west, once you get up to Prospect Avenue, I mean, the, the reason it was called Prospect was because that was originally known as Prospect Heights. You were on a ridge basically overlooking the city. Everything from there runs downhill to the lake. So all the water from up there goes down towards Lake Champlain from there. 
Yeah. Uh, that's so interesting. That makes sense, especially when you come down right by the yeah, college and you, you kind can, of yeah. the yep. hospital. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm assuming that's been leveled off a little bit over time, you know, kind of more of a gradual or was it that, was it steeper than what it is now? I would assume the topography would be pretty much the same. I mean, in the, in the 1800s, a lot of that was uh, deforested. So there wouldn't have been any trees or anything like that. Really. It probably just wow. looked more drastic because the yeah. buildings weren't up. So yes. it kind of looked like everything just sat lower. Yeah. And the trees were all missing. See stuff like that fascinates me. Isn't that wild? Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. But I, yeah, that would make sense because I remember, so the reason he told me that also was because I had just gone to Howe's Cavern. Mm. So I was very intrigued in like all of that happening. And then he's like, well, that's why the basement's not finished. That's there's, it's always going to be damp. Um, we like installed like, what are they called? Sub pumps and stuff. So sub, that we're never pumps. like, yeah, that. So that we're never like flooding obviously. But it's, when I tell you it's a damp basement, it's always going to be a damp basement. Oh, go ahead. Well, I guess those uh, those buildings right there where this creek came through on, it was right near the intersection of where Margaret and Brinkerhoff are, and right where this bridge was, all the buildings along Margaret Street where this uh, where these embankments were were built on pilings until wow. they filled it all in. That's how steep it was. Wow. Yeah. I would love to see pictures that, of well, that. I, I think it was before picture before photography yeah. existed. That's what, so cool. I was to say, what, when was phot- photography? Uh, I guess uh, I don't want to say develop. Good pun. When, when was uh, when was uh, <laughs> photography um, invented? Was it like early eighteen hundreds, mid eighteen hundreds? Well, you're in luck because I love early photography. It's just such a fascinating window. It, you know, it's about as close as you can get to looking through, you know, in, yeah. into the past. Um, it was invented more or less by a, by a French guy named uh, Louis Daguerre, and uh, when he came up with his process, he didn't patent it. The French government bought the, the rights to the process and left it open patent for the world so that everybody could have photography as a gift to the, to the world from the people of France. So that's kind of cool. And the process that he invented was called the daguerreotype. It was, I mean, the, 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 the um, time frame that it took to expose a photograph was crazy. You had to sit still for... 15 minutes, you know, at the beginning. Oh my God. Uh, is that why so many old photos are just like straight, there's no smile? Because they obviously couldn't smile for 15 minutes. So it was like, just sit very like calm and, 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 and uh, stoic, like just like stand there and like, sm- like not even smile, but just like yeah. make, you know, your seriousness. Yeah, pretty it's like much. smiling was weak. Well, the, the very first photograph that was ever taken that's known to exist of a human being. This guy, I mean, the, the wait times were so long, this guy set up his early, you know, camera that he had probably built himself, and he put it out the window to take a picture of this streetscape in France somewhere. And just by happenstance, there was a man on the street getting his shoes shined. So he was sitting there for the 15 minutes, the it, and he's in the frame, and he's the very first human being to ever be photographed. That's that so And it was an accident. Well, it was an accident. You th- think about now, like, Imagine the guy who invented photography and all of a sudden he like shows up in 2022 and people oh, have yeah. literally like... Like our phones <laughs> their have Their phones it. are like unreal. It's insane. And it's yep. digital. So it's like... And Except like, I feel like if we had photography way back when, a part of me is a firm believer in the whole like your lens can capture things you can't see. I feel like if we had it even longer, we would have a lot more ghost stories and ghoulish tales because I think 
when people when all, you suddenly just like take a photo and there's like uh, like, a, like a mist or something in it has like that a, or an orb in it like stuff like that there's like a head floating in the back corner do you want to hear right. a crazy photo story this is from my mother who is a big Debunker. massive sketch she's i would even say she's she doesn't really believe in it at all um she went to France with her college best friend. They did like the Mary Magdalene tour, like as old as it can get. That's where they went. They were going into churches that like Jesus had been in. Like it was like a massive ordeal to her because um, she was so fascinated with this. But her friend is actually a medium. So we don't really like do readings with her or anything because like she knows us. You know what I mean? But every once in a while she would do something or say something to one of us that like you'd be like, OK, where did you get that? Um, so they went to France and she was constantly talking about how insane the energy was in those places. Cause it just was so intense and they went to an old, it's now a hotel and it's from year hundreds and hundreds of years. And you could tell the pictures, you could tell it was just like the, the oldest structure. So my mom, because she knew I was fascinated by this and I was only in like eighth grade at this point, um, her friend Dana went in the room and she said, um, there's a lot of energy like pent up in the hallways and everything here. So she told my mom, take a picture of your bed. So my mom took a picture of her bed and it was like a beautiful Victorian canopy hotel room. And then Dana did something where she's out loud. She vocally said the spirits and orbs you can enter now. And then she said, take a picture now. And the whole camera lens is full of like hundreds of orbs and the picture she has it on Facebook. I'll pull it up in a minute. It's one of those things where like my mom even said, you can't, you can't explain that the coincidence of something like welcoming them in all of a sudden her camera was completely like stuffed with orbs, but the picture before was completely bare. Hmm. Interesting. And that's her, like she was always just very susceptible um, to weird energies like that. Like one time I had a friend with me and she walked over to me and she was like, she had never met the friend, wasn't even introduced. And she was like, does she want to talk to so-and-so in her family? Cause they're trying to like talk to her. And my friend was like, no, no, I don't want to. But she picked up on it immediately knew who it was. And she came over and she was like, they want to talk to her. Hmm. So like weird things she would do there where you like, can't like my mom even says things she would do. You can't deny that there was some sort of communication with the afterlife but that was just one of the like tips of the icebergs where my mom was like it was just a matter of seconds between me taking the picture her and she was just trying to show her like this is how easy it is to welcome him in and then the next picture it's all orbs i i believe it i mean i i think that boy we know so little in some regards about how the human brain actually functions and how some people are able to pick up on those energies and magnetic fields and all sorts of things. I mean, wh- why would one person be sensitive to something versus another person? You know, it's, it's fascinating to think about, you know, yeah. what, what the, uh, the, the, the root cause of those abilities might be. It's, it's really neat. Well, it's kind of like when you're in a room and you feel like someone's in the room. Like yeah. Yes. I can't see them, yes. but you're like, I know there's somebody here. And majority of the time, it, like I'll be at my house and all of a sudden be like, someone's in here. And it's like my, yep. my kid walking through, but yep. he's like in the morning, like tiptoeing around. But then all of a sudden he's like right there. I'm like, I can just feel that yep. presence. I don't know and, if body And some heat. people are more sensitive to that than others. You know, how? why can they pick up on it and others can't? There was a, a tour that I did one time and there was a, a, a group of sensitives that had all come together on the tour. And I hadn't even finished the story yet about where we were going. And this one older lady that was in the group, and she was very nice, lovely lady. And uh, she started getting 
feelings of being ill. She almost uh, couldn't even go into this one area of the cemetery where we were going to go. And uh, as it turned out, that that vicinity was all uh, where a lot of children were buried, that it all died from uh, the influenza epidemic, 1918, things like that. And she couldn't even go in there. She said it was causing her. Uh, wow. You know. Is that the old? Yeah, the old post yeah. cemetery. I went on that tour. Is that the one that... Okay, ready? This is Chateau de Cavanac in France. Wow. You'll have to look it up. My mom, literally, the caption says, this is for Anna. Dana said it was haunted when we walked in. This photo is Dana's room before she invited the orbs in. So that's the room. Okay. Okay. Now ready? Wow. How do you make that up? And ready? This is my mom's room. My mom wrote on the caption, this photo was 10 seconds later. The next one, my room, before she invited the orbs in. Ready? That's before. Yeah. 10 seconds later. Wow. Yeah. And that's how, so this was before I had an even like a smartphone. So my mom had him on an old like Kodak camera. Are those taken from the same angle? She moved because she went in and she like physically invited them in. So my mom said she did this weird like so she could, or, like literally waved them could in. Could she see this or this was no? Only it was after the only was on taken. the camera. My mom could not see it. My mom said she didn't feel Can any you different. Send those to me. Yeah, because it's crazy, isn't it? You can't even make that that up. That's wild. So my mom had to put these on a computer and upload them to Facebook to send them to me in Plattsburgh, New York, because she knew I would die. But like. The tour itself was just like she went to so many places where this was like happening. My mom said they went into one of the churches where Mary Mag, a bone of Mary Magdalene's, is like mm. apparently located. Religious she said, relics. Yeah. Yeah. She said people that were sensitive were like pinned up against the thing because they said the energy was so like they could feel it like coming off like of a it. north south. So like she said she magic. walked in just on a tour and she said, and these people are up against the rock wall like holding their hands up and they're all doing it. And it's, she was like the whole, like the scene was just so bizarre. Cause it's not something you really have here, but like everybody there, like there were old monks and stuff on the site that still live there to this day. And they were like, totally, they thought it was normal. It's an everyday thing. But like, that's how old the places they were staying in were. Every time I hear Mary Magdalene, I think it's Da Vinci code. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Which I, I don't, part of me wants to believe that that's true, which I don't know if that's like, I, you know, you know, you know what's crazy. I about? think it's historical fiction. It's like bits of both, and that's the yeah. church, and it's literally in a cave. Oh wow, yeah. So like, and you can tell like these are not high quality pictures because it's just like a regular. I remember the camera. I can picture it. It was one of those skinny. So she did the same thing in that one. No, she didn't invite the orbs in. That's just like lights. Oh, and stuff. I thought you were showing me two different ones. Um, no, that was her just sending like pictures. The or, the or, so people that aren't seeing this, I'll I'll, I'll get it from Anne. I'll put it on the. Uh, yeah, on, and like on there's social, one of the monks just sitting there. The uh, the picture is like, it's a room, and then like there's another room, and it looks like there's just a bunch of like glowing dots, almost like a hazy yeah. kind of looking like circles in the photo. I mean, like you you can't miss them; they're all over the place. It's like patched all over the the room. Um, what was the thing you just went to? You were talking about before. Where the museum? Oh, I went to the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. So what is who is that, and what is that? Well. So Zach Bagans is honestly not my favorite, actually. Zach, I don't know if Zach, you would agree with me on name? that. He's a little dramatic for me. Zach yeah. who? Bacon? Bagans. Bagans. So I prefer 
so like right now is my prime watching ghost shows and so stuff. These are ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. but he's TV a very he's hunters. a dramatic yeah. okay. TV ghost hunter that like some Brady can't even handle watching him because so, so Brady's like, like he's a little over the it's top over the top and like literally a pe- a penny could fall and he's like wow did you hear that <laughs> so, so, like so screaming at the th- camera. This is, this is like. The spectrum we talked about, that's yes, the Yes, he's like the extreme, but and everything like, is a ghost. I'm taking this to the idea that this would be someone explaining real estate to me that's talking about HGTV. Yes. So oh, there you, you go. I will yeah. let you go. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I, I know so, what level of like fact and fiction are. So Yes. So Zach Bagans is someone who does annoy me, but I have, when I started, when I found out I was going for a conference in Vegas, I was like, oh my God, I'm going in October. This is like prime haunting times. So I was like, I'm going to the Haunted Museum. The ticket prices were a little... A little steep so i was like okay this better Capitalizing be good on the season i like it yeah so i was like this better be good so i get there and it's actually in a mansion that was occupied by a family and their youngest son died so it's literally like right in the center of las vegas it's off the strip it's just like where like shopping centers and stuff now are located built around this mansion but it's this old victorian mansion that like you look at it and you're like oh my god so you go inside they tell you you have to shut your phone off, yada, yada, yada. You can't have anything inside. They're, they walk you through. It's kind of freaky because, like, my aunt was with me who does not, be, like, she's, she doesn't not believe, but she's not, like, watching Zach Bagans on TV. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to the Haunted Museum. So the energy of the whole property, though, really, like, shifts the minute you get out of the car. They have security all over it. And they say when you get in, you can't document anything you have to be really cautious they also say you need to keep your guard up because he's collected these items that are like satanic like tombstones basically so my aunt's kind of like okay whatever that means but if you watch ghost adventures like i've i haven't watched nearly half of his stuff because he is so dramatic but i've watched like the dybbuk box episode i got to walk by the dybbuk box um which that dates back to it's a woman from um a polish concentration camp she has she had this box and apparently it holds like the deepest set of evil and it's locked in this box so if you watch the episode where he's like doing like the heat checkings around the box and stuff it it is unexplained stuff but he also has like body parts and like I was telling you guys um there's a serial killer room that he has the night stalker shirt Charles Manson's hair the ice pick that Ted Bundy used the robe Ted, um, Charles Manson died in. And like the hair on your arms does stand up. And then um, there's other weird things like the James, is it Jim, James Dean? Oh, the actor. Yeah, James Dean, the actor. His, so the car that is considered, they like actually go out of their way to be like, no, something is messed up and doomed with this car. Everybody that's driven it has died. People were predicting the deaths and hitting oh, them. So like you saw bottom. the car. I saw the engine, the piece of the wow. engine. Yeah, the car was totaled and they... Um, disassembled it yeah because it was so dangerous yeah it was it was uh disassembled and according to the legend even pieces uh that were incorporated into other cars that were used as spare parts those cars would wreck or those owners would have horrible luck yeah you know there's always been this uh, basically yeah this curse of the james dean death car and then like you see um What's her name? Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate's wedding dress, which they tell you was only like five feet to the right of her when she gets when she was murdered by Charles Manson. It's one of the things recovered from her room. Um, So you see like and then the if you're a big ghost hunter, I didn't know what this was. So I was learning with everybody else as I was there. Um, The Polly, the possessed doll that's like known apparently around the world. 
they legitimately the tour guides won't go in the room with you that was the other thing that kind of skeeved me out the lady was like yeah we're not going in but you guys go in but don't look at her eyes and then they play videos of tourists like actual people like you and me going in and apparently if you look at her it's these people getting bloody noses so then it's camera footage that's like live time and stamped of regular humans that are just getting bloody noses it's a it's a scary ass doll it's terrifying (laughs) so i went in that room you guys and like you're the doll i was like looking at the other far corner because i was like i'm not looking at this possessed doll like no where's this doll from um i can't remember the story apparently it's on one of the episodes though um but it's also apparently well known like as a possessed doll that's really harmful and so i was freaked out by the doll um but then um it's he just he's collected items that like you don't have to believe in it to uh, like feel the energy there was one moment in the museum that i did not disclose until i left because i was very freaked out um i went into it was the ted bundy room and it's the one room it's set up like a jail cell but it's a vent so i didn't know there was a vent in there um so there was it was the coolest room probably in the whole museum because you're in a house that's the other thing is it gets hot like you're moving around and it's hot 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 the whole time so i kept getting weirded out because i kept getting hot and cold throughout like throughout it and i just thought it was like my body being weird by all this because you know there's energy in that home with all the objects he's accumulated over time um and body parts and human heads like it's a whole thing um, I went into the serial killer room and I was waiting for my aunt to finish reading because I, I went first um, and I, I legitimately was lightheaded at one point. I was like, I, I, I thought I was dehydrated. And I said to my aunt, like on our way out, I was like, I need to get water. But it was in that one room. I felt really heavy, really lightheaded. And then she must have known I was feeling weird because I like stepped back away from everybody for a second because I was I was legit. I have a history of fainting, too. So I was like talking myself out of it. I was like, don't be the person that's fainting in the haunted museum. So then we I'm not kidding you guys. I swear on everything we leave. And then there's a video playing outside and it's people fainting. No kidding. So then I was like, okay, I'm not going to. Then my my brain, though, was don't verbalize it because now I'm in there and I don't want to be the person who's like, (laughs) I'm going to pass out. So we got back and I literally looked at my aunt. I was like, I had a moment where I thought I was I thought I was going to faint. Like I had like black dots and I could see it happening. That's why I was like, okay, breathe, like just chill because I was like, I'm overheating. But then I was cold the rest of the night, like completely weird. The other weird room he has set up is have you ever heard of the Lamar Odom, the accusations he made about his O.D.? He went on The View, Lamar Odom, and he said that the brothel he was at, the guy tried to kill him. He was like, I did drugs, but I did not do, do drugs the night that I overdosed. Like, I didn't do them. So he, but on The View, he did that. They play that video, and then you go into a room, and it's the whole bed scene. It's the actual bed, the robe, like a bra from one of the people, because the man who tried to kill Lamar Odom ended up dying in that bed years later. And that whole setting is there. He Like Zach, the basketball player with Marlon? Yes. So like there's a whole poster shrine of like his story and him accusing the guy of trying to kill him. And then that guy died in that same bed. So they had tried to, they had told him we need to get rid of this bed because Lamar Odom already OD'd in it. He ended up dying in the exact same bed and the mattress is right there. And it's really graphic, obviously, in certain parts, but... It's like you're in, you walk into one of the rooms and it's, you're in the brothel, the bra, the robe, the bed, the bed frame, the dressers, the mirrors. And then they have and these pictures. Are the, these are the exact. The, he bought them from the brothel. So that's what his, he spent his like fortune on is buying these objects. He is an old human head that is from however many years ago, but apparently it's also, they believe carries some sort of energy with it. 
not negative, but energy. So when you go through that room, they ask you. It's a before skull, you, I'm assuming at this point. It's kind of mummified. That was what was weird. It looked scary, but it was mummified in a way. And they ask you specifically not like to respect it and not go in there and chatter around it because it's a human head severed on a stand. Um, so I'm like, wow, this is like bizarre. Um, and, but yeah, the weirdest one was I did, I got lightheaded in that one room for no reason though. Like I just was like all of a sudden, and you know, when you like start to panic, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to faint. I'm going to faint. And then I'm going to be, and then I kept looking. So the other thing is they probably thought I was sketchy because I was like looking for the camera because I did not want them to be able to like film me. Cause they have all these weird interactions with like people that are like fainting and all this stuff. And I'm like, do not be by the camera. Do not by the camera. Do not be a statistic in this museum. But I was like trying to catch my breath. Cause I was like, I'm hot. I'm overheating, but I was fine. And when I left, I was fine. But you know, I believe that, uh, energy can attach itself to objects, you know, whether you want to call that a haunting or whatnot, you know, whenever, wherever you have these places that there's always this outpouring of emotion whether that be a positive negative whatever it kind of seems to imprint itself on a place and if it can do it on a place it makes sense to me that it could do it on an object just as easily uh because you have places like gettysburg where there's been battles you know huge outpourings of human emotion and, and it's like uh like it imprints itself on a place like a recording on a on a tape you know so why can't the same be for a, for an object you yeah. know there's there's always uh, been stories about haunted objects uh, you know, things from serial killers and things yep. like that that have a certain energy. And even what you were just talking about, uh, churches and stuff like that. Here's, you know, religious groups that have a bone or a whatever, like a like yeah. an icon on display that they believe has powers, you know, and that's a mainstream religion. So who's to say? You know, these are things that have been talked about for hundreds and, and hundreds of years. Yeah. It was, it was a weird experience. And when we left my aunt who knew she went into this completely, she didn't even know what, what it was. Um, I think she actually was confused cause they call it the haunted museum. So like the lady at the gift shop, she says, we get people that come in thinking it's a haunted house all the time. It's not anything like that. You're it's a historical, you're going room by room, theme to theme, like shrines of weird, weird stuff that like it would the, like the energy you can't make up like it's kind of like Gettysburg the hair on it's so charged it's, it's like the, the famous uh, husband and wife that were the ghost uh, investigators the, they have the, a room uh, there I forget what their name oh my is. god they have a room the uh, um oh my god I can't believe I know the rocking chairs in there yeah. from one of their exorcisms yeah they've made movies about you know some of the the yes, cases the that these, ex, these not the exorcist on. the conjuring is the about conjuring. them but in, in any case, they were a husband and wife that were into this stuff way before anybody else. Back in the 50s and 60s, they were doing investigations. And they would find objects. Uh, Warren. That they, the Warrens. Yeah, yes. Mr. and Mrs. Warren. Lorraine and Ed. Yep, Lorraine Warren. Yes. And uh, they would take the items, and it wasn't to have a museum. They would take these items because they believed they were dangerous. And they would lock them up in their little, you know... Uh, you know, cabinet of curiosities, like the, uh, the doll that they had, uh, that they thought was possessed. Oh my God. Maybe that's that doll. It looked like a raggedy Ann doll. What is Polly? (laughs) If that is, I would Ah, die. The internet. Okay. It's Peggy. Peggy. Yes. That's the doll you saw. Yes. And I didn't really look at it. That's not the ones from the one from the Warrens. I don't think. Let me see. Let me see the, let me see this doll. Hold on. Is there a picture of this doll? Yeah, let me see. Is it going to be like Mona Lisa eyes? Is it going to be like glancing at me? 
It's going to have one wonky eye. It did. So I looked at it. The only time I actually like looked at it, I looked at it from the side. Um, and it was freaky. Hold on. I want to pull up the one. The, Cause they had a photographer in there, hmm. but I can't find a picture of her. This is the doll you're looking for. Yeah. What, what what's the what is probably the most from like a symbol like an actual physical symbol from I think from this that from this time period or not anything but I'm mean just like supernatural is there like something that's overly famous as like you know we talk about like a serial killer's pick or this like doll is there something that really stands out in the history of like hauntings that would be like that's universally known as a big haunting thing um well if you watch like the conjuring one two and three i think one of them features that rocking chair Mm. a lot of people except i'm not really into stuff like the conjuring like i don't like sit and watch that stuff you know what i mean yeah i'm loosely invested i'm not like a lot of it's been over fictionalized yes so but that rocking chair is there you go in that room and it's a lorraine and ed warren kind of Mm -hmm. dedication sort of thing i feel like their stuff is kind of well known so peggy the doll yeah and what is it for it's just, it's like a, a haunted doll that makes people sick. Yeah. Their the, nose bleeds. The Warrens had one too. There, there's, I can't think of the name it's of theirs. Strange. But it's strange. It was, it, it looked like freaky a, based on how it's dressed. Yeah. It looked no, like the a look, rat. And it's old. That's the other creepy thing. Yeah. The, the one that the Warrens had, it looked like a, just a plain doll. I mean, if you looked at it, it wasn't really that creepy at all, but they believed that it was inhabited like it was a vessel for some sort of an evil spirit that resided inside of it it wasn't the doll itself it was something that was at home in there uh like they, implanted it exactly like this was its vessel that it inhabited and uh for whatever reason and uh they they kept it locked up like they didn't even let people like look at it it is uh something has to happen though to make someone that and two people that intensely like no, this is like something bad. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to be that passionate about locking that thing up. I'm like, okay, that's where I'm like, I can't call a person crazy for that because there's something weird. Same as when they're playing you the videos of people fainting. One of the guys is a camera crew. They play on the wall. He's just looking for an angle to clip a camera on. He's working around Peggy. He leaned over to assess like the glass and he got a nosebleed. All of a sudden he was like, my nose is dripping. He, you see him like leave and he's like, you guys, you're not going to believe this. My nose is bleeding. But he was dead center on that doll. So, so when you walk weird. in, you're not supposed to like be it's dead like right in front of it. No, they tell you not to look at it. They tell you to, you can look about like around it, but they say don't look at the face. That's like the instruction. So if you like walk in. And, and they you, tell you if you're, you're like, feeling uncomfortable. The other thing they tell you is like if you're because the other warning they give you is if you're freaked out by this stuff that's kind of like another way that's they say sometimes things the universe is telling you something yeah like you're a weak link in terms of something could one day possess you or something could follow you home that's what they kind of talk to you about is if you're freaked out don't go don't do it stay out here and if you have a fear of something it's best not to in these this environment with such highly energized objects not to go in if you're feeling weird and that's when um, a lot of those people, I think, are f- completely freaked out and they go in. 
But people, people take pictures of me all the time when I'm doing the tours and whatnot. And you know, there's a lot of theories about orbs and this and that. But people will send me pictures online and they'll say, hey, here's this, uh, we got this picture of you while you're talking, giving the tour, and here's this orb right by your head. You know, what, what, what do you make of that? I said, I don't know. You know, if, if, if there is something to it, then maybe they're just letting us know that they were around or listening in on what they're saying. Or, you know, I, I like to feel that I'm a, a spokesperson for these people that don't have a voice anymore in some way. And maybe they're just uh, listening in, you know, yep. or they're, they're uh, thankful to be acknowledged in some way, like, like any of us would. It's, it's hard to say. There's a lot of theories. A lot have of theories. you ever seen like a body apparition yourself <laughs> people ask me that i've never seen anyone running around in a sheet with holes cut in it you know or something like that but um there have been times when when i've uh actually questioned you know what, what was that? going on what's that like where you're like did i just see that right yeah yeah i i've never you know seen uh like on ghostbusters a full, full floating free torso apparition yeah. or whatever <laughs> um but like, for example, there was one group that I was leading and, you know, being the tour guide, you're, you're always thinking five steps ahead, 10 steps ahead of what's going on next. And I'm always aware of what's going on behind me because I'm usually at the front of the group and I, I'm listening in to what, what's going on back there. And on one night in particular, this was out at the, uh, the former Plattsburgh Air Force Base, the ghost of the old post tour. And we were almost done the tour. We were maybe five minutes from the end of the tour. And we were headed back, and I had maybe 20 or 30 people behind me, and people were just kind of, you know, chit-chatting, discussing the tour, talking, laughing, carrying on. And all of a sudden, from the back of the group, I could hear people going, what is that smell? You smell that? What is that? What is that? And it was coming, this murmuring was coming up through the group towards me. Now, we were walking into the wind. There was a breeze blowing into my face that night. So it was coming against the wind and it was coming up through the group and whatever it was went to the people behind me and then it went past me and it was literally like someone had walked right up through the center of the group of people smoking a pipe you could just smell it overwhelming and at first I didn't even think about it my first inclination was well somebody just lit up a, a pipe you know so as I was talking at the next stop of the tour I was looking at all the different guests and seeing you know who who just started smoking their pipe and there was nobody smoking a pipe. So I asked the guy next to me as we were walking along. I said, did you smell something here a few minutes ago by chance? He said, yeah, it was uh, cherry pipe tobacco. And that's exactly what it was. And uh, whatever it was came right up through the middle of the group against the breeze. And then it was gone. So I've always said that, you know, maybe that was a soldier. Maybe that was somebody we were talking about. It was just seeing what we were up to, checking in, letting us know they were around. So, this is why we need to go on a tour. I've well, only been waiting so, for you for 10 years. So th we were planning going on a tour a few weeks ago. Yeah, and you canceled on me. <laughs> I did. But what, I forgot. Yeah, no excuse. No, I feel it had something to do with your, Gina or the kids. Yeah, one of your kids was sick. Okay. Uh, that happens. I it, guess I'll give him a pass, you know. But then, so, this is it. so then I came here one night. Um, it was the night before the golf tournament. So we were setting up. And this was after, this was like two weeks after I was here and that happened to me. This is, no, oh, no, no, no. Sorry about him. It was late. And I rolled in because I had to come back and grab something. Oh, in like the ghost tour? Eight, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was probably about 8, 8.30. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm driving up and there's nobody ever down here, typically. And there's like a bunch of people on the corner. And I didn't realize at the time, I pull in. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> 
And then I realized they all started, it was you, yeah. but I didn't see you. <laughs> so that was the thing. I like, I rolled up and I wasn't even thinking you at first. I'm like, why is there so many people eight, like eight o'clock at night on like Friday <laughs> hanging out outside of our office? Um, but you were, you were right on the corner. Yeah. Um, uh, just when, but you had walked, you were going back towards, uh, like was, was that Macomb, Hamilton? Which one's the one that? You were going. You were going McComb back towards the base. McComb and McDonough is over here. Well, we were headed back towards. You were, the... yeah. You were walking that way towards the base. Okay. So, yep. but then it was, but like I said, then I saw him, and then I mentioned to her, and then the date that you're. Do you want to plug your thing now, or do you want to wait to the end? You can do both. Dana Mora. Oh. Just, just one thing I wanted to add though. There, there was a lady that used to be a, a librarian at the Plattsburgh Public Library, and she said she was driving through town one day. And she had her her uh, little boy in the back seat, and all of a sudden her her son goes, "Mommy, I think I just saw a man from the past." <laughs> she was like, "What on earth?" She had to turn around and go back and see what it, what it was. And, and it was I, you. Of course, it was me. Uh, you know, we were That's leading, funny. leading the group, but he said, "A man from the past." <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be? You've like seen like movies and stuff like that when you're just like walking along, and then and yeah, then, like, someone like imagine not knowing it's a ghost tour and seeing just you walking down the street. <laughs> That, you know when they do like flash mobs? Wouldn't that be a crazy flash mob where like yeah. you were just hanging out? And next thing you know, like guys are dressed like what well, you dress period like. Period attire, pe- yeah. Yeah, period attire. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? And they're just, they're walking through and yeah, they start talking think? old English and you're just like, wait. And then you freak people out because like, I, did I just transfer them back? But like, imagine like in the mall, you were like that. And all of a sudden people started walking in and you're I know. like in the food court. And like, I would love what? it. I swear I was born in the long time frame, the wrong time frame because I love old Victorian like style. Would writing that be, would that be your favorite time period to go yes back into? i would go back to like the i would go back to i wouldn't go quite as far back as like battle of plattsburgh when kids were dying all the time from like diseases but like downton abbey era where like grand regal victorian dresses were well it's it's all fun and like games titanic and era it's, it's all fun until you're wearing all those layers when it's a hundred degrees yeah that's out. true <laughs> that that is true and then you're like oh my god what am i doing which seems what was it? Was it that because it was like dignified to wear clothes like that back then? Like when you talk about like layers and you talk about like, you know, guys wearing like three piece suits and these wool suits and, and like I think of like again golf. Like they used to golf in like heavy clothes, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like I go out yeah. in like shorts and a t shirt, I'm dying, you know, of the key. Um, so a lot of those period pieces, that would ruin like the, the fun for me. <laughs> but like the dresses and like, you know, the powdered wigs and things, like was that, I'm assuming that was because it was considered like, um, you know, like, like like a level of class or, you know, dignified that you ha- were able to wear these clothing and it kind of separated you from lesser people that maybe couldn't afford this stuff. Is that the case or was that? No, it, w- it was, you know, like a reflection of this social, you know, uh, status of the day and, and, and where you ranked. And a lot of it was evolutionary. Like if you look at clothing, you know, each each kind of fad that came along was was building on you know, the past and, and what was what was common at the time. And, and a lot of times what was fashionable, you know, it changed. Like, you know, we, people would emulate what the French were doing because they were fashionable or emulating what the, the British were doing because that's what the monarchy was wearing. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of, lot of uh, interesting history there too. What role does, I mean, obviously you talked about this doll. Like that doll you just showed, like, looked kind of freaky. It looked like it had, like, a gown on, like a cross on it. It was in pretty good good, good condition. So it wasn't like, I wouldn't look at it and be like, oh, my God, was that, that doll. I'm you assuming know that I mean? doll was within the last hundred years. I don't know. 
So I didn't ask questions about that, though. Because I the face? energy on it, yes, I believe so. Do you remember, before I jump to my question, remember um, Shaz- uh, the Shazy Museum, or the Minor Museum? Alice mm-hmm. Minor Museum, or Alice T. Minor Museum, the room of dolls there? Mm-hmm. Did you ever go in that room? Mm-mm. So no. I believe it was upstairs. I don't know if it's still there. It's been years since it's been I was place. there for Rotary a few weeks ago, and I don't remember seeing that. Really? I, I haven't been there in years, though. If you go up, I believe I'm sure they changed their exhibits. Yeah. yeah. If you go up, well, this was there my entire childhood. Like no I, I can remember there was a room of porcelain dolls Oof. and it was, <laughs> it was creepy and it wasn't a big room. Like it was pr- arguably, if you took this room and like That's where awful. my desk is back, like that little section, I think that was about the size of the room. It wasn't a big room. Oh God. There was a bunch of porcelain dolls and we just called it like the doll room. And like you went up, I believe if you went up the stairs, it was like over in the left corner, but it was very creepy. And I don't know what the significance of it was, but I'm like, there's a bunch of just porcelain dolls. And like porcelain dolls already look freaky. Yeah. And then when you put a bunch of them in a room. And when they're hundreds of years old, they're all and they're decaying. they're staring at <laughs> you. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check out the other exhibit. Thank yeah. you. But I, I don't know if it's still there. If you've ever been to Shelburne Museum over in Vermont, mm-hmm. they've got a whole uh, building that uh, it's... Uh, it's all period toys from the 1800s, and there's an entire room that's nothing but dolls and dollhouses, and they've got some of those mechanical automatons from the 1800s where they're, you know, some of it's rotted off and the mechanical stuff is showing, and oh it's God. just really freaky so looking. The, so the Shelburne Museum, I, I went as a kid, but is that, there's, like, what does that entail? Because I remember it being more of like a farmy kind of feel. Well, the lady that uh, started the whole thing, she was uh, a descendant of the Vanderbilts, and uh, her name was Electra Havemeyer Webb. The Vanderbilts? Yeah, the Vanderbilts. They, they I'm were reading ma- their book right Anderson now. Cooper? Yes. I'm reading his book right now about yeah, the Vanderbilts. The same family. Well, she had a tremendous, tremendous amount of money. And she became fascinated with, uh, you know, early Americana and that sort of thing. And she saw in Vermont and in New England that a lot of these things were disappearing. They were being torn down or whatever. So she decided to use her money to literally collect the buildings themselves and have them taken apart piece by piece, move to this museum that she had purchased all the grounds and whatever, and reassembled on the ground. So she basically built like a town. There's an example of all these. There's a there's a schoolhouse and a jail and a carriage barn and there's different there's taverns. She even uh, moved an entire steamboat from Lake Champlain, uh, and it's the last survi- uh, example of its kind left in the world. Oh my uh, God. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, it's spectacular. That's crazy. And yeah. right in our backyard. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And some of those buildings, even when they moved them, they came along with their resident ghosts. Some of them are, are, I believe that. are claimed to be uh, ha- have paranormal activity uh, among the staff. Because it's still, I mean, just because you pick up a tavern and move it to a different location doesn't mean that it's, you know, yeah, whatever is inside goes away. It's still the structure. That's crazy. We have to tell him about our the 200th episode podcast because that was weird. Oh. So I was on the 200th episode, as you can guess. <laughs> and, Which um, wasn't a long time ago. No, it was six episodes ago. So um, that day, I don't know what happened, but it was, it was one of those weird things. So I've never seen anything. Like, I'm going to be brutally honest. Would totally love it if I did, but I've never, I welcome it. I'm not like freaked out by it, but it's never happened to me. Um, so we were here that day and I came during an after early, like afternoon. So everybody was still here. It was a regular work day. Um, we got like an hour into the podcast and, um, I had to go to the bathroom. So I literally like texted him and I was like, keep talking. I have to pee. (laughs) So I got up and I snuck out, but I didn't realize. So, you know, when you like, 
you know when you go in an office and you know there's other people there? Like yeah, you can sure. tell when someone else is there. Yeah. I got up and I swear to God, I thought Nicole was still at her desk. Mm. So I walked to, the, so you go through the corner of her office to go to the bathroom. There was like out of the corner, I didn't look directly at it, but there was a figure in the chair. So I was talking. So he's in here talking. I was out there talking because I'm like, oh my God, if I'd known you were out here, I would have had you help me unzip my romper. I was stuck. And then all of a sudden, no response. So then I'm like, oh, she must be on the phone. I said something else. And then I was so freaked out. All of a sudden I opened the door and I looked at the desk because I was like, it was completely like silent. So I'm like looking and I'm like, holy crap. I swear to God, I, I was like wigged out. I was immediately like, okay, that was weird because out of the corner of my eye, I could, sw- I swore I saw a figure in the chair. So I came back in, I finished the podcast. And at the end, I literally was like, you are not going to believe what just happened to me. And she was just mentioning when I came in that she something had to messes have with her, her drawers on her desk. And she said she just, so after I told her about this, I texted her. It was a Thursday, Friday morning. She said that she had texted somebody the morning I was like coming in that she needed someone to come sage because there was weird stuff happening in her office. It was all like heightened and it was that, that same day, but it was the only time in my entire life that out of like the corner of my eye. And I wish I did like, just look because it was just, it was like just a, and honestly it was dark. That's the other thing. She has brown hair nothing flagged me. She had a dark shirt on that day. I didn't really think anything of it. I just saw it was literally just the corner of my eye and I went running into the bathroom and right away I was like, shit, she was here. And then right away when, and I hadn't even like, I literally hadn't even washed my hands yet. And I opened the door because all of a sudden I was like, that's weird. Cause nothing, there was no like foot movement. And I was just like, it was like all of a sudden all the hair, again, the hair on my arms stood up. Cause I was like, I know what I just saw. And then I immediately came back in and I sat down and I was like, well, that's the thing. I, I see that theme repeated a lot of times because when people do experience something out of the ordinary like that, it's it's usually when they least expect it. It's that thing yeah. you saw out of the corner of your eye and you thought it was something else. Yep. And then you think back and you're like, well, hey, wait a minute. You, yeah. You know, no, it was like all of a sudden. Yeah. It just dawned on I was on like, you. why isn't she answering me? But why can't I hear her? Like, I couldn't even hear a breath. That's how quiet it was. And it was like, it, this building is not very quiet, obviously, too. It was mm. only like quarter of five like I could have heard a pin drop that's how quiet it was like all of a sudden I knew I had like kind of seen something out of the corner of my eye but I almost felt like something else knew I saw it at the same time because it got like eerily quiet yeah but then I came out of the bathroom and I could hear him through the door so it was almost like a time lapse of my like like all of a sudden I was like I just saw something out of the corner of my eye that's interesting and but it had like all the hair on my arm stood up and then I came back in and I was like I remember I was sweating too because I was like, oh my God. My fiance and I, a couple years back, we took a trip all throughout New England. We went to Mark Twain's house. We went to all all these different places. And uh, one of the places we stopped was the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast in Fall River, Mass, where the the murders took place. And uh, boy, I, I don't consider myself to be sensitive to any degree or anything like that. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by this stuff, but I, I don't know as I have the gift for picking up on it as some do. But we, when we walked into this house, I mean, even I could feel it that you could feel this heaviness that yeah. something, something maybe, maybe not ominous, but something had happened there that had seriously left its mark on that place. And, uh, I mean, Maybe it was just the way that they set it up, but like you said, it was like the, like a like a like a thickness to the yeah. place. You could stand in the rooms, 
and they had the crime scene photos from the, you know, from the period hanging on the walls and the furniture was in the exact same place. All that was missing was the body there in front of you. So maybe they kind of set set it up that way for you to have this, you know, weird experience, uh, this disconnect, but it was definitely one of those types of of experiences like what you're talking about. And you can't explain it. Like the heaviness is just a weird, like, I feel like in that moment, my brain was just like, okay, like something weird was just there. Yeah. Now it's when I opened that door. And I mean, it was like a movie scene. I, I opened the door and I just popped my head. Like I was just like looking to see if Nicole was sitting in her chair. Cause at that point I'm like, what? Well, I, I was just mentioning to her, I'd have to double check my notes to, to be positive, but I'm fairly certain that there was a story about uh, a ticket master who had worked here for like, all of his career, like 50 years, he was well known. You know, everybody knew the the guy that worked here and whatever. And I want to say that he died of a heart attack in this building. They found him dead or something at one point. Yeah, that's freaking. Uh, so I'd, I'd have to check my notes to verify if that's true or not. But I, I seem to recall reading that story someplace. That's crazy. What about deja vu? Mm. Is there anything to that? Do you think that's like kind of like... It's the Matrix telling you something has changed. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, it, it's, have you ever had, yeah, when you have, de- like, when you talk about, like, the, uh, not that I just had deja vu, but, like, when you, when you feel that, like, I had it, you know, I would say it typically happens a half dozen times a year. Like, I'll have some weird deja vu moment, you're like, what the heck? And I remember, I, I feel like it's, it's like, I feel like I've lived it, but then it's like, did I really live it or was I dreaming it and now I'm living it? And that's where I always get confused, which that, like, that stuff to me is, like, weird. Sometimes more weird than the idea of ghosts, like because you're like living it, but it's almost like people talk about like the, what do you say, like the Matrix or like multiple verses and stuff like that. Like, well, it's like you think back to like your earliest memories, your very early childhood, and sometimes when I'm thinking back to those really dim early memories, it's like, is that real or is that something I dreamed as a kid? You know, it gets kind of convoluted. It's weird how the human memory works. Well, my my son the other day was talking to him and. He's four and he starts going off about um, nightmares. And he goes, yeah, he goes, like, kids kids sleep in mom and dad's bedroom. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, I said sometimes. He goes, yeah, when they have bad dreams. He's like, yeah, you know, they get scared. And uh, he's told, so the two nightmares that he described, oh, which is God, funny. Oh, so, God, this <laughs> stuff freaks me out. Children, yeah. Well, he's, he's four. And, and one of them was there was a garbage can on his wall that had eyes, which makes me think it was kind of like Oscar the Grouch or something like that. Yeah. But, but I don't know. He's four. The other one, which he's told me multiple times, anytime he brings this oh, up, God. He's, he's, held, he's held true to the same story. And I think he's told me it three separate times. He's like, yeah, like, um, yeah, one of, the, one of the nightmares I had, but there was a there was a kitten under my bed. And I'm like, oh, okay. okay. He's like, he goes, yeah, but it was okay. You, you got him out though. And I'm like, oh, he goes, I'm like, oh, you must be dreaming. He goes, no, no, I had a kitten under my bed and you got him out with your tools. And I'm like, my buddy that that never happened and he was like adamant and he's told me this story three different times that there was a kitten under his bed and i went in with tools which doesn't make any sense but i went in with tools <laughs> and somehow pulled this cat out from underneath his bed maybe his, his cat was stuck what? but he's he's told me this story oh, three that's fascinating the stuff three with separate kids. times I, I remember watching this episode of unsolved mysteries years ago and there was a story on there and it was about this little boy that uh you know he was like your son's age, something like that. And he was fascinated with airplanes. So the, the parents, you know, were like playing around with him, whatever. And they're like, 
how does this kid know so much about airplanes? And they realized as he was playing and as he was just babbling, like he knew the actual controls and he was saying all the things. So they started talking to him and, you know, how did, how did you know this? And he said, oh, he said, well, that was, you know, I died and I was flying, you know, oh, and God. they started talking to him. And I just got he chills. Had, he had memories. <laughs> he had memories that he had been basically a pilot in World War II. And they said, how would this child have had these memories, you know, and this knowledge That's of this weird. aircraft. Like but they said as he got older, the memories faded away and he didn't, he didn't know it anymore. So, so one of the things I've been, you know, reading a lot about and, and I like reading and stuff, but one of the uh, things I, I was reading is like these old books, these like philosophy books and stuff. And I started, one of the ideas was that, and, and it's kind of like a peaceful thought if you really think about it, was that like once you die, like you then get reborn. Like in something, meaning like we're all matter. So like atoms or whatever. So like once you die, those atoms energy of you has to go somewhere. Like it just doesn't just go. It like it actually would transfer sure. whether it goes into the ground, whether it like something happens. So the whole idea is that like, are we actually like born? Do we have a start and an end or are we just reoccurring molecules or, or atoms that just in time just take different shapes and different forms and different things like that? It's kind of like a... Like my kids have a great book. It's about a water droplet and it goes through all the different phases of this water droplet. And this water droplet is 4.5 billion years old. Well, it's in a glacier and then it goes up in the sky and then it comes down as rain and then it soaks into the ground and then it gets drunk by or drank by humans and then it gets, um, you know, sweated out and then it goes back into like this whole cycle of this, this raindrop. Oh, sure. And, uh, so then you kind of look at the idea that everything is, is matter. Like this is matter. We're matter. Like this pen, everything is, is matter is that like when something happens that the energy has to come back and form something else. So when we have like deja vu or we have like memories and things, like these weird things we can't explain is that our, all of our potential atoms, communal memories, that correct. Sort of that might've happened thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, 50 years ago, whenever. And then it's like, like, like basically, if you once you pass, like all your atoms, like our atoms, all could join together and create like an animal or could create something because the energy has to go somewhere. I was watching this this thing the other day on Netflix called Infinity, and they have one thing, and I've it was fascinating. It said if you take a box and it's sealed, and you put an apple in this box and just seal it up over time, and now this is hun- this is hundreds or thousands of years this apple would eventually just decompose to dust. And they said that the dust inside the apple, because there was so much energy in this, this box, the heat inside would get to thousands of degrees because it was energy. Hmm. And they said what would happen over time is if you let that energy keep going, that eventually that energy would turn back into an apple. And they said that, and I was and watching. And you wonder why things are haunted. And I was watching this. We place. got bodies in boxes but six feet said, underground. Yeah, That's, and then they just said you keep like like what anything you put in there. Eventually, if it's sealed, the, that energy will turn back, like it will decompose, turn into hot energy, and it would recompose back into that being. I mean, you think about it. Oh they're, they're, God, that which makes sense, me. I guess, yeah. if you're sealing a body in a. There in are coffee. elements in our bodies that are billions of years old that originated in the center of stars and drifted through the galaxy for millenniums before they, you know, coalesced onto the earth and were entered into the, like you said, the water cycle that, you know, elements in the earth that were incorporated into us as human beings, you know, the, 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 the uh, heavy, heavy metals that you have in your body, things like that. Those are billions of years old. So 
Oh, you know, God, that, that scares it's me. crazy to think about. So, did you watch that video I sent you? Which one? You send me videos all the time. <laughs> I, t- I texted you the one video about the, the time lapse of the future. Yes. I don't like that. Did you watch the whole thing? I stopped. <laughs> How far? <laughs> like two minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. So th- this, I'll give it's you like a- only four minutes though. No, it's a half hour. Is it Anna. the one where it like dips? Like this is the size of this and this. No, 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 no. This? Not that one. That's showing like, oh, the, that's showing like this is earth and then like this is the Jupiter and this is the sun and it keeps getting bigger, bigger in scale bigger. Yeah, until yeah. they realize like macro this that we're is nobody this is this is like this is Betelgeuse and Betelgeuse makes our planet look like a dot like our or not our planet like our sun look like a dot because it's bigger to star it's in the Big Dipper but uh, <laughs> not spelled Betelgeuse like the movie spelled really weird looking but um, <laughs> if, if but if you um, this is this show and I, I forgot if you go, if you YouTube if you really want to be freaked out YouTube time lapse of the future it's a 30-minute video. Oh, God. I don't know if I can watch this. And it this. starts out, and it was made in 2019. So it starts out in 2019. Every five seconds in this in this video, the time doubles, I think it is. So it goes from like, okay, it's like one, two, three, ten, like, dun, 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 dun. And it, like every five seconds, it gets double, double the speed. So the video is 30 minutes long. So what happens is there's a time ticker on the bottom. So then all of a sudden it'd be like in a thousand years and it'll be like 10,000 years. Then it'd be 20,000 years. And what it starts to show is like, like at one point, like the Sahara desert becomes tropical. Mm-hmm. At one point, the polar, the pole switch at one point, like new islands in, in, in um, Hawaii grow or not grow, but you know, uh, form and all this stuff that happens over time in this earth or in our, in our universe. And then it keeps going to the point where like, you know, there's these massive storms and blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the, the sun ends up expanding so much that it ends up exploding. Like the earth dies, everything dies like in our solar system. Oh, sure. And then it keeps going. And then, and you got to think all of this takes place in the first like three to four minutes of this video. Yeah. And it's a 30 minute long video. So really it gets to the <laughs> point and I, won't, I would have an anxiety. And I won't give, well, <laughs> Well, you know, when you talk about the hook, this whole thing keeps going and going and going and spoiler alert, we're what 13 to 14 billion years old, the universe mm. at the bottom. So like, okay. So billion at the bottom, it You're is grinning because you know, this stuff, we, the bottom time ticker goes into the trillions to trillions to trillions. Yeah. And the, and if you want to see a hook. Wait till the end of this video. It's thirty minutes long. I'll it have is, to check that. It out. is unreal. And the thing is, you're sitting there like. So are you telling me I shouldn't be as afraid of global warming and stuff like that uh, as I am? No, because it's all going to happen. But what happens is, I mean, it, yes and no. I mean, yes in the sense that like I'm you don't want to like damage I have a it quicker. Fear of global warming. I love mind bending stuff like that because it really puts things in perspective. Our our lifespan of eighty years or whatever it is is absolutely nothing on the grand scheme of things, well, and people get so. Uh, obsessed with what's going on and our little tiny infinitesimal ticker of time. You know, at, at home, I, I like to show this to my son and to kids when I when I work with kids with school groups and whatnot because it really kind of puts things in perspective. It's a big chunk at, at home. I have a big slab of uh, Potsdam sandstone. Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar, that's everything that the Osable chasm is made out of it. It all runs runs through here. It's that beautiful orangey kind of stone, right? And this is a, a, about the size of a dinner plate. And on the top of it is fossilized ripples from the bottom of an ancient sea. 
And the reason that the ripples are fossilized is because nothing existed at the time to mess up the sand ripples until the point where they turned to stone. This was from a time 520 million years ago when New York State was down by the equator and was covered over by a shallow sea. So I show children this thing and I said, here, touch, touch these ripples, you know, with your hand. And I said, this piece of stone you're touching right now is older than trees. And their, their minds, you know, you just see the, the light bulb explode in, the, in their brain because trees are only somewhere around 300 million years old. So this is 230 million years older than trees. It's, <laughs> it's so wild. The, the spans That's of time insane. that you talk about well, are just mind-blowing. Well, I, are you on, do you have Instagram? Yeah. Go on Instagram, look up no but why. Mm. And, or no, no, sorry, not no. Wait but why. And it's, uh, I forget the guy's name, Urban's is Tim Urban, I think his name is. And this guy, I've sent Anna some of this stuff. One of the to things- To ruin that, my day. Right. <laughs> to put it all, I'm having a good Tuesday, and then he sends it, that to, to my inbox, in, and I'm like, to goodbye. Put it, to put it all in perspective. So this one, this one, um, like, the thing that they showed was that, okay, so Earth, again, is 13 billion years old right now, or Earth, the, the, the universe. So what happens is, they basically said that in the span of everything that happened, this goes back to the time lapse of the future that I was telling you about, that we are in, they basically said, like, if if we're a second, like, if you want to take 13 and a half billion and just equate that to one second, we're one second of, like, 106 to the something-something power. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes, and it goes, you basically, it was funny how the guy described it. He goes, you're basically the only time period that this should happen and it's a blink. It's basically the after effect or the, or the the flash after the Big Bang is what we're experiencing now. So if you were to like zoom all this down and be like, and you see like a black light or a bright light and then just darkness. Yeah. And it goes, you're and it goes, congratulations, you're alive at this time because yeah. this is like the only time you're gonna see it. But it was, right. it was insane that and, that's like. And people worry about what they had for lunch today, you know, or whatever. It's, or the it's, person uh, that cuts you off, or yeah. like all these like trivial uh, things perspective. that don't matter. It's all about perspective. But it, it's absolutely outrageous. But like, it's wild. Because it's also, it makes sense why there's weird energies and mm, it really lingering does. energies and spirits. Yep. There's so, so our, our, our uh, scope of things is, is so limited. I mean, even, even from a physical standpoint, birds can see more than what we can see, you know, just because of the receptors in their eyes. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the spectrum like animals of things. that can pick up on things we can't see. Absolutely. My cats Absolutely. freak me the hell out. I'm not kidding you. They sometimes will like look at the walls and their like ears are twisting, but they're looking at a wall. And I'm like, hello, what do yeah. you like? What are you looking at? You can tell they're like ho- like well, zoned in on something, but I'm like. But they're, 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 it's like primal instincts of animals and cats. And I think one of the things with humans, like from primal instincts, is the fact that we, our first instinct typically is negative. Because we, when we evolve, like you, you, danger, animals, saber-toothed tiger, like all these things that were you, you were always like, you know, looking over your shoulder for danger. So your initial thought was always safety, danger, like protect myself. And that's why I still, even to this day, that's still ingrained in our nature is that we are, you can be optimistic, but te- but typically people focus on negative. People focus on, and you can, I mean, you can train your mind not to, but your natural instinct is to think, you know, 
that's bad. That's negative. Or like, because I, I don't really think I view it as negative. I just think it's weird. Well, they say that animals can be ghosts too. You know, maybe the animals are picking up on yeah. ghosts of their own kind. Like I mean, who my, knows? so I go to bed just to give you an example of how weird animals instincts are. My, one of my cats goes to bed on my chest every single night. He balls right up right here. Like clockwork. I'd be hyperventilating if that happened. <laughs> I know, yeah, he I'm allergic to cats. So he literally oh, yeah, sleeps on here. my chest and he weighs like 30 pounds. It's ridiculous. But we were watching TV the other night. I shut the TV off and he was sleeping and I'm laying flat, which I can't lay flat. So I was awake. I'm just letting him be comfortable because, you know, I'm a mom, basically. He picked his head up and he was looking at the ceiling, but his ears were twisted and he kept moving as if someone was dangling something. So I was looking straight up too, thinking like, oh, maybe it's a spider. But when he kept going back, he literally was going left, right, left, right, left, right, over and over. I was, I had a moment where I was like, what is he, what does he see that I can't see? But I wasn't like freaked out. I was just like, oh, there was must it, be. Was it really dark? It was kind of dark, but like the street light. I, we live in the city. We have a street light that but comes I mean, like in. you could see stuff in the room. Yeah, I could oh, okay. see. So I knew there was no, I could, I knew there was no spider. There was no bug. Hmm. Like, I don't know what he was doing, there's but he famous, was like, chick, chick, like, literally just like a tic-tac head, like, back funny. and forth. There, there's famous ghost stories about uh, phantom animals and things like that. Like, what, one that comes to mind, there's a, a, a famous uh, haunting in Washington, the nation's capital, and there's a, a phantom cat at the Capitol building, called, and they call him D.C. And they, the reason they call him D.C., they call him the demon cat. And they said that this cat... The, the ghost of it this only appears whenever there's about to be a national tragedy. Uh, like, That's for example, weird. the Lincoln assassination, the Kennedy assassination, 9-11. People claim that they saw this ghost right before something horrific happens. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah, and... The, that's been that's that story has been talked Makes sense. about it's for, a cat. forever. I believe in yeah. that stuff because I'm superstitious. <laughs> Not a little stitious. Um, Super. The, so, um, re- regarding like again, go back. We'll bring it back local, more more to Plattsburgh. Like, sure. <laughs> we're, we're going we went, out into the universe. We went, yeah, here. we want to. Tam- we're going <laughs> all the way back. Trying to figure out why billions ghosts and exist. billions of years. Um, so I mean, like. Ghost stories in Plattsburgh, you know, coming down and passed along and all this stuff. Like, like first off, wh- what typically encompasses like more of the haunting places around here? Obviously, the cemetery. Most of them are under tours. But like, where do you think the most like if you had to pinpoint areas that are you feel are the most haunted areas or in eerie. Plattsburgh? Even if it's not haunted, just like even. Do off. you feel it's the base? Is that probably the most? Well, I, I would say the base is probably the most active because that's probably where, where you would have had the scene of most uh, of that traum- traumatic type energy, that sort of thing. Soldiers who were traumatized by combat, soldiers that committed suicides, you know, uh, part of the base is over the top of the battlefield from the Battle of Plattsburgh. So you had that, you know, that conflict where people were literally being killed on that ground. So anytime where you have... start? Where does like, what start? Which part of the base was part of the Battle of Plattsburgh grounds? Well, I mean, the soldiers were all over the place from Boynton Avenue all the way, you know, on both sides of the Saranac River, all the way down oh through. Oh, my God. Uh, r- right across the end of the U.S. Oval where the chapel is. There was three forts that stood there that were part of the American line of defenses. Uh, we, we basically live on a battlefield. We drive on it every day. Uh, it's just... it doesn't get interpreted as such and people forget you know except for the one weekend a year when we have the battle of plattsburgh commemoration uh 
but for uh, for for the other 364 days, people forget that we're you know driving the same roadways yeah. where people were killing each other 208 years ago. That's crazy. That's yeah. so yeah. And when you think about it, it's crazy. Yeah, we live on a battlefield just as much as the people in Gettysburg live on a battlefield, but people forget. Gettysburg is another one, though. I went yeah. there, and the hair on your arm stands up. Oh, There's yeah. something about the air. In- Have you ever been there? No, but how, how big is Gettysburg relative to here? Small, very small. It's just a small town. Really? Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of similar. Is it, well, it's Pennsylvania, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 You pass it but, going to D.C. But you've got that okay. small town, and there were over 50,000 casualties there. Wasn't that the bloodiest days. battle in the war? One of, I believe, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never been to Yeah, the Gettysburg. arm, the hair on your arm stands up. I, I feel, I feel like, in Remember the Titans, don't they bring them to Gettysburg and they go running through Gettysburg? I don't know. I don't recall. I'm pretty sure. I can't be- remember. I'm pretty sure because there's a scene, and again, I might be wrong, but if it is, that's the only, tr- like, scene of Gettysburg that I have any knowledge of. It was a big field, right? It still is. There are no. some really good documentaries on Netflix, not spiritually related, but like well, historically that explain it all where you're like, oh my if God. If you've got a few hours, watch the movie Gettysburg. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a great film with a lot of really top-notch actors in it. And that gives you a, a pretty good overview of, of what was happening there for those three days. Um. It's an older That's movie, spooky. but it's it's really really good. And I mean, anywhere where you talk about that kind of bloodshed on such a small place, uh, think of all that potential energy, all those huge, you know, those human lives that were cut short, young men just laying waste to one another. That that just kind of absorbs yeah. into the landscape. It, it, and uh, and that was a three day battle, roughly. I believe so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because crazy. Because when you look back then, like. And isn't it called like the goriest battle in America or something like that? What well, yeah, the most goriest, deadliest, something like that. It has like a title for like. I think it was it was one of the to drive deadli- home the energy, the deadliest yeah. three days in American history. I mean, it was pretty brutal. All of those battles, though. I mean, we, for the technology of the day, they were using tactics where they just lined what, up and fired into each what, other. When was the actual Civil War? What were the years? Eighteen sixty-one to sixty-five. Now. I mean, put that in perspective. That was one hundred and sixty years ago. Our country literally like fought each other over over slavery, mm-hmm. which I mean, just seems like crazy. Like that was that's not a long time ago in history. And like no. you have this massive civil war within a hundred years of just becoming a country. Yeah, my my uh, uh, my th- second or third great grandfather was from Harkness, and he was a farmer, and he uh, you know he enlisted and, and went and fought in the Civil War, and he was from here. You know, uh, it was a, it was almost a spiritual thing where a lot of people, they, they felt that they were compelled to go south and help preserve the Union. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, it's just like a different time period. And like, I wish I, I got that's something I want to like learn more about and read more about as a civil war. Because it was just one we learned yeah. about it in school, but we never spent a ton of time on it. And I always felt like I knew a ton about the Revolutionary War. I knew a ton about some other battles and stuff. But it, for some reason, the Civil War... I, I feel mean, like you had to like sprint through it. And, and then like you get curriculum. into the War of 1812. It's even less than that. So it, yeah. it makes sense why people don't, you know, often think about the Battle of Plattsburgh. But you think about yeah, in the battle, I mean, that was almost feels like, I mean, we talk, we talk about it, but that's certainly overshadowed by the revolution in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, I mean, that was 50 years before the Civil War, like, mm-hmm. which is nuts to think about. They had this battle, like, always, like even in my mind, I always think like, the War of 1812 feels like it should have been, like, 1912. Like, it's, it, but it's, it seemed like it should be later in our country's history, but the Civil War, to me, feels much closer than it really 
like, like it is closer than it feels. I should say, like, it feels like ah, that was like hundreds of years ago. I'm like, no, that was less than two hundred years ago mm-hmm. that 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 it happened, which just seems very bizarre. That's like, that's like uh, you know, we th- we think of all these characters as being you know ancient history like you said and every once in a while you you get uh, a a little reminder that it wasn't really all that long ago i I remember some years back uh i always like to go to the uh, memorial service that they have at riverside cemetery every year during the the battle commemoration and usually they have representatives there from great britain and everything and they lay the flags on the graves uh, and it's just it's a really moving ceremony Uh, this year especially because it was just like literally the day of or the day after Queen Elizabeth had, had passed away. So uh, they had a moment of silence for her. It was it was just amazing. But in any case, this was years ago, and I was with a group of reenactors that were there uh, during the service. And they were, sometimes you can't always hear what the MC is, is saying because we're over on the side with the, you know, firing the cannon and doing the salute and that sort of thing. But I, I kind of heard out of one ear that there was some dignitaries present and there was uh, some members of the, the McDonough family, you know, Commodore oh, McDonough, yeah. who was in command of the American fleet uh, out here in the bay. I said, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I kind of saw the people that they were talking about. I said, oh, I'll have to go chat with them a- after the, the service. So the ceremony goes by and uh, I see them bringing this, this little old lady across the cemetery and there's a person on either arm of her and she just looks impossibly old just very very old and and small and uh i walked up to her and i said excuse me but i i heard them introduce you and say that you were a member of the the mcdonough family you know i how are you related and she looked at me and she had this kind of twinkle in her eye you know and she said he was my great-grandfather thomas mcdonough i said your great-grandfather and she said yes she said very long generations in my family she said my father was over a hundred years old and wow. she looked like she was, you know, 80, 90 years old at the time. And I, I shook her hand and it was just so, so small, her, her hand. And uh, she's long since passed away now, but her, her name was Isabel McDonough. And when she was a little girl, when she was, you know, 10, 11 years old, she actually cut the ribbon and unveiled the McDonough Monument in 1926. She was, oh I mean, God. and she had come back as an elderly lady. I was like, I could not believe, you know, touching that. Well, piece was, of the past. We talked about it last time. Wasn't it like the 10th president of the United States has like a grandson right now? A grandson. Yeah, John, John Tyler. I yeah. remember watching about that. He yeah. was born in 17-something and his grandson or is, great-grandson is still like alive. 60 years old right now. Yeah. Like he had a kid late. That's the stuff that just like... He had, yeah, like a, he had a kid boy. very, very late, like in a second marriage. And it was like the youngest kid ended up having kids. Kind of like a same Super thing. Super late. Yeah. They're like so, old fathers. That's weird. Yeah. But it ended up about. gapping like 150 years of just three generations. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, that's like just just within the last few years, one of the last living Civil War widows passed away. Wow. And that was because that was because it was um, one of these Civil War veterans that was like 80, 90 years old. And it was the Great Depression. Everybody was poor. Nobody had any money. And he married, quote unquote, married... This woman who was like 15, 16, Ugh. 
but it wasn't it, it wasn't for any weird reason. He was trying to look out for her like in a fatherly yeah. way. So he married her on paper so that she could get his pension and get a little bit of money during the depression. So technically she was the last living person drawing a civil war pension. Like isn't that insane? That like, it, well, gives me chills. I was going to say it's like when you see people now from like World War 2. Yeah. Like that the, I mean like if you see someone from World War 2 to me that's like a living, you know, I say monument, but that's like a li- you know that's that's just that's crazy to think because they, they're all have to be a hundred years old now plus yeah. Yeah. you know and then to see them like still around like that's incredible that still world I mean I remember as a kid there you know, was a lot of them and then all of a sudden now it's like you see a you see I don't know how many are still alive from World War II but it's not not a lot and yeah. it's just when you start looking at that like that's incredible like those like if you see one of those that's like like now like seeing a unicorn almost it's like yeah you don't my, see my grandpa ever. served in World War II and he always had you know incredible stories. Uh, he, he would have been over 100 years old now. Yeah, so it it's crazy. Time just goes by. Uh, this this coming Sunday, uh, I'm going to be doing a private tour for the uh, the Honor Flight. Yeah, you know, nice. Some of those guys. And obviously, they can't get out and walk a great distance, so we're going to be going around on their bus and doing you know telling ghost stories and That's stuff. That's so fun. I, I love chatting with those guys and just hearing their stories. Yeah. <laughs> Them telling me stories is, is a treat, you know? It's it's fantastic. You would die meeting my grandfather. <laughs> He has so many stories that sometimes I'm just like. Do you know Papa. who your grandfather is? No, no. Um, my grandfather's Jack Stewart. Oh, so okay. he was the inter mayor when I, Dan I Stewart left. I know him. Yep. So he was also the historian at one point. Yeah. And he always he follows your page. Oh, that's he references your pictures and stuff because he like he told me a few weeks ago he was like um when I told him about our 2023 project. Yeah. He was fascinated because he said he goes um he was like. Matt has pictures that I've never seen. And he said, I worked in the <laughs> historical society of the city for years. He said, I've in some of those photos I've never, ever seen. Well, that makes um, me feel really good. I, so I, he pays know, attention to it though. Cause he's fascinated so cool. by it, but he's one of those people that like, he can drive down the street. You pass just like a random 16 North Catherine. And he knows the whole war story yep. in connection to this or like, you can drive through the cemetery to visit his, because he still does every year. He drops flowers off at all of his family's cemeteries. Um, you'll pass a gravestone and he'll be like, oh, that's so- John Tyler's great, great <laughs> grandfather, son's brother's sister, twice removed. Like insane history that yeah. he has in his head that I'm just like, he, and he's elderly. And I'm always just like, I would never even be able to like accumulate half of what he knows sure. historically. Matt, in our area. Matt, do you do you ever journal any of this stuff out or transcribe any of these I stories? I really should. <laughs> well, I, 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 the reason I'm saying that is like you're mentioning your grandfather. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, we've talked about it. Like, eventually, like, he's not going to be around to tell the stories. And yeah, it's like when yeah, these sure. people, and the way I look at it is the amount of history that you know that you've pulled from so many different sources. I mean, I, I don't even want to know how many books and pages and articles and things that you've read and scoured over. Yeah. You know, we're talking thousands and thousands of hours. And, but it's like, if you could sit there and, and transcribe these or type them out or journal all of these stories, eventually these stories will be passed down generation, generation, generation. Yeah. And then like, sure. when nothing looks similar, like, wait, there was a train station there. Yeah. It was built in 1886. What is that? And like, yes. wow, presidents went there. My, my other, uh, my dad's side of the family, my, my other grandfather, they're only three generations removed from Canada. You know, they immigrated down. A lot of people up in this neck of the woods have roots back to, you know, Canada and whatnot. But uh, my grandpa on my dad's side, they were all farmers, and he knew 
everything there was to know about that early farm life. You know, they farmed with horses when he first first was, you know, before they even had a tractor in the early 1900s. And when he passed away, uh, I remember one of the one of the gentlemen that was friends with him at his funeral. He said something like uh, along the lines of he's like, you know, when when somebody like that passes away, it's like a library burns. And that, that's a really yeah, good metaphor. that's a good way, to, yeah. You know, because all that knowledge is lost. Who would know about that early farm life? You, yeah. You know, it's, it's gone. So that's right. You know, a lot of that stuff, it needs to be written down and uh, passed on mm-hmm. before it's lost. We talk about the stories, like sitting around the campfire telling these, like, orated stories. And yep. it's like, well, I mean, now we have so many easy things at our finger. I mean, you can speak into a microphone and it, it, the, the story could transcribe in, in the paper. But, like, I think just, like, dumping those history lessons we talked about the podcast we talked about things of just like orating um almost like a dan carlin you just start speaking about all these these you know you history but you just tell a story about it yeah i mean i I mean i think anybody that grew up listening to to history teachers like you just went there it was story time you just sat down and listened to all stories like this is incredible or if you get people like you said around the campfire or you know or in a you know a study just telling grandkids all these stories and like this is outrageous but you remember them and those are you know, and some of them, like I said, you know, memory, you know, if you're a five, six, seven, eight year old kid hearing from your grandfather, your memory by the time you're 50 or 60 telling that story might be a little skewed, but it's still <laughs> the idea you get the general, light. you know, you'll have some details in there. Sure, and, sure. Um, I went to Clinton and one of my history professors, he's the best professor I've ever had. I'm not kidding. I loved him. Um, I can't remember his name though. So that goes to show that, but Shout out his to that whole, guy. his whole, he just actually <laughs> popped up on my feed the other day though, because Clinton did some sort of ceremony recently. Was it Mr. Sergeant Gary Sergeant? No. Was it Tom Mandeville? Mandeville. Yeah. Yes. So he, his okay. whole college <laughs> class is stories. So you literally go in every single day, you bring a notebook and he tells you as if he is there. His his lecture about what you're Love learning it. is you and you legitimately he's kind of like you he's very like he can paint a picture in your brain where you actually feel like you're living in that in that moment you know mm. what I mean um so like I would go in and I remember I I was there for my first day ever my mom was like you're gonna love him and because she had taken a class by him and I remember being like how do you know that because I was just an 18 year old dork who was like I hate college and she was like no you're gonna love his class and I went in. Have my notebook. I sat down and I like ate everything up because it's not like he use he doesn't touch the whiteboard. You don't get handouts. You just take a test at the end of each um, chapter. That's it. And everything is like a itemized story of. And then this president stood on this balcony and said this, and he'll change his voice as if he's the president. And you just sit there in the whole lecture. You're like, oh my god, this was the fastest class ever because you're like captivated by the way he's teaching it. Yeah, he's a reenactor. He's accident. Ax- almost accidentally teaching you the history through a story that I was like, he's, I would say he was the best professor that I I ever had. I was sitting in professor Mandeville's class on nine 11 that morning. Really? Yep. And came to school that morning and uh, I could hear people buzzing about a plane crash or something like that. Like I had, and we went through class. I said, well, that was kind of weird, you know? And, And then when I came down the stairs into the lobby, there's all these people standing around in a great big crowd. I said, what is going on? And they're all crowded around. And you were at Clinton? Yeah, Clinton. They were all crowded around a TV that they had set up in the lobby. And people were watching it like live in real time. I said, oh, my God. My mom watched the second plane hit in the lobby of Clinton. Oh, must have been standing right next to me then. And it was my mom who made sure I had Tom Mandeville as a professor. She was like, yeah, she was like, because she helped me 
just by working there. So she like, funny. she was kind old. of like my accidental uh, advisor. I always joke, but she like. Wow. Makes Tom feel old, right? Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she made sure I had Mandeville. She was like, you're going to want him. And yep. I was like, I just was like, whatever, like didn't see any form of interest. And then I got in there and I was like, he reminds me of my yeah. grandfather. That's what it was. It's amazing how some people they can make, they, they have the power to make history quote unquote either the best subject or the worst subject yes. ever no oh, for real. it's all delivery for real. it's all about yeah. how it's presented you and know? it wasn't forced like and the other thing was in that class it was one of those courses that he was so captivated not just to like me who likes history he captivated everybody in that sure. room enough that like you could hear a pin drop and it was quiet everybody listened he yep. never had to tell someone like get off your phone or pay attention you never ever had to deal with that with him because it was just the minute he started and to the until the minute he ended, it was a lecture and a story time, the whole the whole semester. Well, you got to think too. Back in the day, like before anything, there were, storytellers were your that was your form of entertainment. People yeah, could go up sure. and just tell a story, yeah. and they just sit and orate and then give you whatever. But yep. when you, I mean, that's why, like I said, we've talked about this plenty of times. Like that's why I love the podcast because like you're just stripped down. There's no phones. There's no like distractions. Yep. You're just having a conversation. But it goes back until like an older time period. So it's almost like full circle. It's like you don't. Sometimes just like I love listening, not even watching. I'm like doing work or household stuff or building something. And like I just have podcasts going on in the background. So I can just listen like a fly on the wall. That's that's why I think, you know, just the the, the experience of actually sitting around a campfire and just staring into the fire and talking and telling stories. I think that triggers something in our mind that goes back tens of thousands of years because That's what people did for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And that must have imprinted itself on our brains in some way, <laughs> sitting around watching the caveman TV, you know, and uh, telling stories. You know, it, it triggers something kind of primeval in our minds somehow. We've talked about doing like all, all the crazy stuff and all this, like, you know, you put too much emphasis on stuff that's not important and kind of look in the big picture. Like, yeah. that sounds great. Just sit around a campfire and just like slow things down and just yeah. tell a story and just relax. Yeah. Sure. I want to sit around a campfire campfire with tom mandeville yeah that'd be yeah. great i'm not kidding you galen you'd love him I'm get, i'll get him on the podcast you should he, no you actually you really should yeah he was i'm not kidding him. He was well the I, best I, I say done i'll ask him. i i was not uh, yes. i was not a very good student in terms of like being dedicated shocker putting me in the classroom i was like okay could you, you focus? <laughs> focus yeah i literally was like this is a joke like whatever but in settings where it was like storytelling and things like that i was ghosts i was captivated by but Tom Mandeville was like he he does an honors course amazing with, uh, with a guy that I know named Tom Prey from uh, Peru and he they, they're a fantastic team they they take their students literally around to all these sites you know oh my to, god to visit that would be amazing uh, you know they go to all these out of the way places and, and it, yeah they're fantastic uh, guys to listen and you know to. who he looks like Justin Ein an older version of Justin Ein from oh really Hawaii. yeah. I don't know if you know Justin Ein, but it's Tom Mandeville is like the older version of him. Oh, well, well I'm going to have to look him up. Yeah, definitely. He would um, be fascinating. All right. For sake of time, respect schedules here because we'll do this again. I Matt, Matt comes on. I every, could go on for like I, seven, Matt, Matt, years. Matt's, gonna, Matt's my October regular guest. But yeah, yeah. Matt, um, a couple things. Um, give us an update. Plug. You know, what, um, obviously this is like a big stretch of seasons right here. We got oh the leaves God. turning. We got the crispness in the air, a little dampness out there. It's starting to feel like October, starting to feel Ghosts like Halloween everywhere. every night. Gets darker quicker. Um, what, again, kind of how can people find you? What's your next few weeks look like? Yeah, you can uh, Google Plattsburgh Ghost Tours. will pop right up. Or uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Greater Adirondack Ghost and Tour Company. Uh, we've got a fantastic 
lineup of haunted happenings going on all throughout the month of October. In fact, coming up this weekend, uh, courtesy of Danamora Federal Credit <laughs> Union, uh, on the 15th. I think 14th. 14th Friday, right? 14th. Um, yeah, 14th. Uh, we're doing a series of tours that uh, it's going to be um, free for the first 30 attendees at uh, 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock p.m., and you can check that out on our Facebook page uh, to grab tickets or whatnot uh, if you wanted to attend. Uh, also, spectacular opportunity this month, uh, and we can only offer it on a week-to-week basis, uh, but we're doing tours of the Hartwell Mansion. I want to go on that. We should do it. Okay. Yeah, it's a okay, very rare Okay, can you like actually write it down, though? I, when's the date? Uh, well, like I said, we can only guarantee the tours because the house is for sale on a, on a week-to-week basis. So this week we're doing them on uh, Sunday, uh, but I believe it's already sold out. Uh, we're hoping to continue as long as we can, uh, but we'll be posting updates on a week-by-week basis on, on our Facebook page. The tour is called The Haunting of Hartwell House. And uh, it deals with some of the uh, mysteries surrounding the original family that that built the mansion and called it home. I want to go to all of them, honestly, like all of the yeah. tours. And that one, that that house has literally only had a couple of owners in the last hundred and fifty years, so it's a very rare opportunity to get to go and in. And for people there. that don't know it, just describe which house it is and where it is. It's on Brinkerhoff Street here in the city. It's seventy-seven Brinkerhoff. It is one of the most spectacular surviving Victorian mansions in Plattsburgh. It's this beautiful stone uh, French Second Empire mansion. It looks like if you were to picture in your mind's eye something that the Adams family or the Munsters lives yeah. in with the Victorian, you know, high tower. And a massive and yard. And a massive yard. It originally, the property was an entire city block. Um, another DFCU connection. Um, one of our employees, it's her family that's moving out. Ah, yeah. So I was dying when I heard that. I was like, "Wait, what? Yeah. Your family lived there?" Like, I know. she even like crawled in th- through the window. It was yet she sent out an email it? about the sale they had. Like, yeah, the they sold. Sale. Yeah, the estate sale. And I was like, "Wait, what?" The, the <laughs> current owners have had it for sixteen years. Uh, so crazy. Yep, yeah. it's amazing. That house is awesome. It's so wild. I want to do the Kentalord House tour, which I think that's the one that comes here, right? No, Beaumont. The one that goes by here is Dr. Beaumont's Tour of Terror. And the one that goes by our old apartment is Delord. The Dead of Delord's Point. Okay, there we go. I want to do those two (laughs) this year. Because I already did the two on the old base. Yeah, six tours total right now that are running. I didn't do the SUNY Plattsburgh one. I need to do that one too. The Spirits of SUNY Plattsburgh. Um, I need to just do them all. I'm going to see if I can go Friday at 9. There you go. Okay, because then I can actually like go. Because I, I, we're actually... Oh, that's another thing. Be there. Yes, I'll be there. And fun fact, we are going to be passing out lanterns to the first 30 guests of each tour. Oh, fantastic. And they're on a DFCU lanyard. Nice plug. All right. <laughs> we're we're going we're to we're wrap it up there. Matt, I appreciate it always again. Oh, my pleasure. This <laughs> Always a good time. And I, I think... Uh, um, Thanks like I, for letting me crash. Well, I always say we talk for a couple hours, but it could be oh. probably a few couple weeks of, of stories, couple months, couple years. But um, again, check them out um, all over the place, Adirondack Ghost Tours. Um, and again, this weekend, DFCU, shout out, giving out some free passes to some people. So, um, Anna, thank you for, for uh, bringing your enthusiasm today, too. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> talking about ghosts, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> all right, that's episode 206 of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out.
Thank you for listening to The Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.